What's up? We're back. It's another Vital MX Moto X Pod show presented by Racetech and Boyson. I think we've got a good show lined up. We've got Rock River Yamaha's Benny Bloss and two of the Supercross future podium finishers from Star Yamaha, Daxon Bennett and Orange Brigade's rider Julian Juju Bomer. All coming on tonight. Uh, but first, I want to introduce my co-host, Scott Thompson. What's going on, Scotty? Hey, what's going on, man? Just, you know, I actually got to go to a race this weekend. It was pretty sweet. What race did you go to? Uh, that one that they had in uh, Dallas. Did you hear about it? I did not. Was oh. it good? Yeah, it was It was really good, man. I, I, had, a, I had a blast. Finally made it to a race this year. Mm-hmm. Good to hear. As a fan. Yeah, that's true. That's as a, true. As a fan. Our, our other co-host... From Vital MX, Michael Lindsay is working on a couple things, so we'll get him on here in just a minute. Uh, let's before we get started. I got my suspension back from Race Tech for my YZ250. It's best thing you ever rode in your life. It's good. Yeah. Uh, we had some issues once. I, I kind of told them because out here in Texas, I race the uh, novice class. I'm a novice in Texas, but to Race <laughs> Tech, Race Tech novice is like a beginner. So when they first gave me my suspension, it was really soft. I was struggling. We had a lot of conversations with my guy Clay up at PDR Performance. And we got another one of the other guys uh, from Race Tech involved and got me hooked up, got the suspension back. The YZ is great. I love it. And you too, Scotty, or our listeners can all get Race Tech from one of their local service centers. All you have to do is go to racetech.com to find your local Race Tech service center. And you can get the same great products, settings, and services that Racetech offers locally to you with a tuner you can drive to and likely even see at your local racetracks. This week's Racetech Service Center is Crow Performance in San Diego. Nope, that is not right. Um, yeah, it is Crow Performance San Diego. Mike Crow previously worked for Racetech in both R&D and custom shock departments. He's still employed for, uh, suspension engines and centers in San Diego. So visit, if you're in the San Diego area, hit up Crow Performance. Check out those guys. Uh, we do have our other co-host ready to go, so I want to introduce my guy, Michael Lindsay. Good luck, Michael. Kiss ass. Michael. Oh, God. Michael. 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 No, Michael, no. Michael. 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 What's up, Abel? What's up? Do I sound any better than Lewis? Nobody sounds better than Lewis. What are you talking about? Yeah. How about you'd miss my voice, hopefully, for a little while? Apparently, not so much. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I got to hang out with you this weekend. I'll be hanging out with you this coming weekend. I haven't seen Lewis, and it feels like an infinite amount of It feels like ages. Ages. It feels like ages. Yeah, we we miss our guy, Lewis. Can't (sighs) wait for him to get back. Uh, I already kind of talked about the the guests on the show, and I did give the wrong race tech service center. I knew I was missing that. It's Phoenix Suspension this week in Phoenix, Arizona. Owned oh, and operated boy Chris Blows. and tuned by the world's fastest suspension tuner, Chris Zombie Blows. So, yeah, go to, if you guys are in that area, check out Phoenix Suspension and maybe uh, maybe Zombie Blows, Scotty, could tune our listener suspension. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, when he's not racing, right? Yeah, I, I think he has time in between. He figures that out, right, Michael Lizzie? Oh, uh, no. He's pretty, I don't know, Chris is... Uh, Definitely, uh, he's one of those guys, if you went back to him and said, well, you know, suspension's in this side, he could either tell you uh, they could change it or just tell you to flat out go faster and you'd have to listen to him, <laughs> I think, true. either way. That's true. I think he would know. Well, like I said, we had a great sh- we have a great show. Benny Bloss, Daxon Benick, Julian, Juju, or as Lewis likes to say, Bobo, Bomer, all on tonight. And this is the Boyson Intake Open Discussion. ML, I want to start with our winner of round seven in Arlington. Uh, he went five two one for a triple crown overall win. 
Uh, I'm not allowed to use his title that I came up with him anymore. I was asked to stop that. So we're not going to use my nickname for Cooper Webb, but congrats to Cooper Webb. Looking good, ML. He's my guy for the championship right now. That's the guy I'm jumping on the bandwagon for making a run. Well, I'm really sorry you missed out on the Eli Express. We're too far ahead for you at the moment. But what happened to your war wagon? I was asked to, uh, to uh, it was a copyright infringement type of thing that I was asked by a fellow <laughs> journalist that may or may not oh. work for us. And are, said, are we thinking we're, it's hitting a little too close to our home for the Watson wagon? That's are we? I, yep. Or the, the Sexton ship. We're, he, we're, uh, that one, he needs that to be special. So I was he asked, is special, isn't he? <laughs> I was asked to back off the title. So Cooper Webb, but Cooper Webb wins Michael Lindsay. Uh, he's only down by two points right now going into Daytona, which has the the rumor has it that's where the championship started. You guys talked to Ricky Carmichael a little bit about that on a recent pod. But what do you think about Cooper Webb? Uh, the finish at, at Dallas Arlington looks good. He's coming on strong. I just think it. Coming out strong, but in general, I'm just super confused at this point with this championship because it's like nobody can get momentum for more than one round in a row. Um, definitely a great race for, for Cooper. Um, interesting to me considering how the first main went. I wouldn't have guessed he would have been that competitive later on. Definitely getting into jumping whoops helped him. Um, not a track I felt like, you know, usually he cuts down really low. It was so slick. Everybody was already kind of squaring stuff up, trying to get straight runs into stuff. So I, I didn't feel like some of his usual... I don't know, attributes work there. He's really infamous for cutting down and kind of creating his own lines. It was just super slick on the bowl corners, but um, he made it work the last race. Um, I will say, I don't think, if it wasn't for the the perfect storm of what happened to Chase, I don't know if he would have got it done. They were both just really consistent the the couple laps before that, but um, no, I think overall, Chase has been really good at hard pack rounds, for so for Cooper to be in there is uh, definitely a good sign. Yeah, Scotty, I think it was really kind of touching on what ML just said, a lack of mistakes for Cooper, right? I mean, Chase was clearly the fastest guy each night. Crash at the end there, mm-hmm. you know, it caused some problems. Kyle Chisholm going down and then Grant Harlan kind of making a – just not not holding his line completely and Chase making a yeah. bad decision maybe. Uh, but Cooper – Cooper's right where he needs to be, and we know that Cooper Webb comes on strong at the end, and once he gets that, gets those guys in his focus and his target, he's really good late. So I'm looking, at the very least, if nobody gets hurt, we're going to have a hell of a championship these mm-hmm. last seven, eight rounds. Yeah, from my perspective in the, in, the, in the fans' perspective, I honestly didn't see, like, Cooper was such a surprise to me at the end. Like, it was like, whoa, yeah, wait. where'd he like, come from? Yeah, it's like, wait, I hadn't thought about him, like, almost all night. Like, I was, I'd, like. Well, that was like, your first mistake. Well, yeah. I'm, you know what I mean, though. Like, it was kind of like, I was like, oh, well, Cooper's, you know, he's having an off night. And then, all of a sudden, it was like, he, he's going to tie Chase and then win because he <laughs> was the best at the end when the track was rough. Like, well, yeah, that's Cooper. So, it's like, it, it, it didn't surprise me and surprise me at the same time. It was kind of weird. Hey, Emil, I want to go back. I think last, was it your last review pod where uh, Lewis asked, uh, made the comment that he there weren't that many uh, memorable Arlington bro, Dallas bro, races? Bro, 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 yeah, bro. I'm trying to remember. the is, is that Was that when it was on the review pod? Yeah, we were both joking about that. We really couldn't come up with a, a memorable Arlington race. I think there was one thing, staff, that he nailed off with uh, an RV relay deal. But yeah. other than that, it's... It's funny because I like the round. I like the stadium. I like football. 
um, style track personally, I like a little bit longer rhythm lane. Um, I like the venue, but when I think back to it, um, my depressing thought I started the uh, pod with was the whole me almost uh, j- joking about jumping off the top of my own semi in, in yeah. 2020 is about yeah. the most memorable Arlington but, <laughs> okay. I, I have. So what was it? 20, I think in 20 was when Cooper backflipped off the dragon's back and probably lost the championship. So to me, that was memorable. Oh, is that when he landed out on the concrete yeah. really bad? Same night AC yep. did the same thing, I think. And then was that not, was it not Arlington where he beat Kenny by like a millionth of Closest a second? Closest race ever, yes. I think it was. Well, fine. There are memorable races <laughs> yeah. in Arlington. They're just so hey. unrememberable. We couldn't remember Maybe them. <laughs> if you two selfish buttholes didn't just hog the review show all to yourself, you know, maybe if other people that worked at Vital the Next got an invite every once in a while. Go ahead, Scotty. I was listening to the review me, show and I, they were y'all were talking about that and I was like, uh, closest Supercross yeah. race ever. It was a couple well, years ago. Yeah. I mean, listen, Scotty, we all know that Michael Lindsay and Lewis Phillips, they're they don't always really know what they're talking about. I mean, <laughs> yeah, make it up as we go. <laughs> yeah. Before every review pod, me and Lewis are just like, do I even have notes together for this? Do you want it? Uh, I guess we have to do this right now, don't we? Uh, it's you guys think it's well planned out. I mean, mm, no. Mm. Hey, this last one, no. you know, our guy TJ, who was supposed to be here tonight in studio, mm. but decided to work an extra week to look, make himself look good. Wow. Yeah. Way, way to go, loser. Uh, he is a big time fan of Mr. Lewis Phillips. Every week he texts me how funny that guy is. I think he's got a little bit of a man crush on Lewis. <laughs> oh, he's right up there with uh, Colin Park this week. Then. Yes, yes, yes. All right, let's Col- move Colin on. Colin was very disappointed. He was hoping that uh, Lewis <laughs> hadn't abandoned him after his uh, performance at that last race. I heard that. Uh, let's move on. You mentioned Chase Sexton, who was overall, I think, the fastest guy of the night. Uh, race one, he start, He was like 12th place, I think, early on in the first race, Scotty, and just the fastest guy on the track. Rode over Jason Anderson, I believe, to yeah, get I him. S- <laughs> I saw that little head stomp thing. That was, uh, I was, I was a little wild. Yeah. I didn't know if that was but planned or what. But. Came from the back to finish third. That, that was an impressive ride. If Chase can figure out these little mistakes that Lewis would like to ignore, I think Chase could start running away with this thing if he could just figure out those mistakes well it's kind of funny because now you sound like how we did a couple weeks ago when you were saying that like he's not getting in these these this is not getting in his head and stuff well i didn't say it. i still think it might be in his head a little bit even oh, though we, I, mean, I, I really do think it has to affect him yeah um i will say kind of jumping back a little bit watching him come back through the pack in that first race was probably one of my top highlights of of the triple crown like he, it, he was it was, it was insane. insane yes Insane. That was, was mimic. I kind of figured. I kind of figured out what he was about it, to say. I knew say. where his head was at. It, <laughs> it really was. Like I, it's funny because I was saying, if it wasn't for Chase's ride, I think we'd be talking about Anderson a little bit similar. Mm-hmm. Like Anderson had an amazing first race because he was way down when he finally got up and moving, and he made quite a few spots. But watching Chase like clicking off two, three guys in the matter of two sections was just so impressive. Um, I really thought he was going to go all the way to second. He got a little bit hung up in Barsha's pace. Barsha block him a little bit, but even before that, it's kind of like he just, I don't know if their lines were too similar. He got a little bit hung up in his pace, kind of old, you know, when you get stuck behind somebody, it affects you a little bit. Um, that seemed to have killed his four drive because before that, I was convinced he, he was coming back to second, no problem. I agree. You know, it, everybody kind of was talking about the last race where, you know, Chase washed out and then the, the Grant Harlan thing. I think one of the most pivotal points was in the second race where I thought after Chase got Tomac, he kind of caught up to Webb. I thought he was just going to kind of pick him off too. And and when he didn't, I think that kind of 
set up Cooper more than it kind of gets talked about. What do you think, Mel? Mm, I'm trying to remember how many laps to go because he had quite a quite a distance. I think the other thing though is like Coop's big thing all night was he was again just so insanely consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and no given point in any race was he terribly quick on best lap time. Mm-hmm. Um, but his his minimum his average lap time, of course, was really solid. But his minimum to max was really tight. Like he just made no mistakes basically. Um, also, kind of interesting. I was talking later. Um, Tomac was actually pretty sick over the weekend, apparently. Mm. Like, because he bailed on autograph signing, we didn't get to interview him for anything. Like, every time he come off the track, he wouldn't even ride to the semi. He'd ride his bike with his mechanic to his motorhome, step off, go to his motorhome, and his mechanic ride around. Like Eli, I saw his physical face once the entire day. I think. Yeah, I talked to him before the press conference and just kind of shot the crap with him a little bit. And he's he didn't look sick, but that doesn't mean, I mean anything, obviously. Uh, to finish off with Chase, I think in that second race, once he went by Eli, didn't he gap him by like five seconds? I mean, yeah. again, just so fast. Yeah, he. Yep. Go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, and then in the third race, obviously, probably should have won that one. Made the mistake when he was trying to go inside of Eli and just trusting that flat corner a little too much. And even without the mis- without the mis- that mistake or without the second mistake of. Basically, just choosing the wrong decision, wrong wrong direction around Grant Harlan, he wins the thing. I think. Um, so yeah, Chase Chase is probably the Sexton ship is probably the favorite in my eyes. I don't want to say that because I like Chase, but I, I'm on the Cooper. I'm on the other bandwagon. Uh, <laughs> and then let's go to Eli. Come on, we can come up with another name. You got to work want on that. Any come on. nicknames right now? That's yeah. Lewis has no nicknames. Uh, but and then just talking about Eli, a good night, but ML not. Not 100% on. He even admitted after the, the fall in the third one that, hey, he was a little uncomfortable, didn't want to push it and go down again. He had lost his rhythm. A, a good night, a great night for any average guy, but for Eli, mediocre. Definitely. It's it's a weird dynamic for him because he's never been this strong on the early rounds, never been, I think, this well ahead in points that he can kind of have these mediocre nights you know, maybe like two weeks ahead, like back-to-back kind of like this. Uh, not back-to-back, I'm thinking before Oakland at Houston, but, uh, or Tampa. Um, you know, he's definitely, any of these guys I think are all in the same situation for Daytona on. Somebody has to get momentum going. It's just too much good night followed by bad night. And when I say bad night, yeah, compared to anybody else in the field, it's a great night. But in these guys' book, they don't want to keep doing this. They don't want to keep, oh, I got three points this week, and then I gave up three or four the next weekend. Um Somebody has to break away, of course, with statistically speaking the past. You know, my favorite for, for Daytona is Eli, and I think the vast majority of people would be. I think Chase is riding, of course, amazing at the moment in, in Cooper. So if there's ever a time that Eli will lose Daytona, this could potentially be it. Um, but I also think at the same time, like, it, it's going to, you know, they'll say that the season starts at Daytona. I think he really needs to get it done this weekend. And this goes for anybody. Whoever gets it done at Daytona this weekend needs to get it done the following weekend as well. They're, they need to separate themselves. It's just not happening yet. Yeah, uh, Scotty, thoughts on Eli? And you think about he made the mistake in Arlington. He's made a couple other mistakes where he's gone off track, jumped off track. Uh, he did the he kind of did the one eighty uh, or made a mistake. He's made just made been off track or backwards or down three or four races in a row now. A two is when he. Landed on the tough block. I think Oakland and Tampa, I think both of them, he had mistakes. Kind of uncharacteristic for him. Uh, well, I mean, Oakland, he's still won, so you can pretty much... Yeah, but just like, the it's little a wash. mistakes are odd. Yeah, I, I think the 
the Oakland one specifically was that track was just so rutted. You know, the the other one in A two, he was pushing it really, really hard, and that they you know that mistake happened. And, and then you know, as soon as Michael has said that he he fa- thinks that he was sick, uh, that makes that was like a light bulb going up. Like that makes complete sense of of kind of watching the how that performance went. What I will say is for the future, for going you know from this point on, you know, if you look at these three guys like like a stock, you know, Eli started off really high on the market and then now it's kind of slowly losing a little bit. And then, you know, Cooper is just steadily climbing, whereas Chase is kind of fluctuating a lot, which, which in that scenario, which stock would you choose? Probably this fluctuating. I don't, I feel like, I feel like Cooper has started the lowest and risen the most I'll give you that over the t- over the period of time I'll give you so that. going forward I would say like which which stock would you pick the one that's steadily climbing yeah. the one that's kind of going down a little bit or the one that's bouncing all over the place if I was a betting man and I had a lot of money to bet I have no idea who I would bet on I don't I think they're all 33 percent waffle 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 yeah, waffle I, waffle I mean, waffle I can see any of them ml like Eli I mean Eli's a champion he's he could easily win this thing by a, 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 a decent margin. He could just start pulling away. Chase could easily, he's the fastest guy. He could easily run away with it. Or all of a sudden Cooper could just snag this thing out of nowhere. Like I have, I can't, if I had to bet on somebody, I'd bet on Eli just out of statistics. So I said this thing two weeks ago, um, me and Lewis were talking on post race show and I can see any of the three, of course, getting it. Um, however, I think, Coop, it comes down to the title staying close to the end. For some reason, I can't see Coop breaking away from these two right now. Um, he is riding better, but there's nothing that's convinced me yet that he can go on the on the streak. I feel like he's going to be in there, you know, picking up points where he can, and he would ultimately be able to win the title if they can bring it down to the end tight. Um, Chase is making the best current case for being able to break away if he can put it together. However, the little mistake shows they can't. Eli is the only one this season that's actually shown he can put together more than one race really in a row successfully. So I do lean towards Eli, albeit he's got to kind of bounce back from even I got in Oakland like it. Not gifted to him, but like Coop was really close, chased it away. He hasn't had maybe as good of a breakout ride as he did on the very beginning of the season. Um, his last three rounds have just been, you know, two A rounds and the one pretty decent one with Oakland. Um I, I could see him or Chase winning the title by, again, putting down momentum and breaking away from their competitors. I only see Coop getting it if if he stays with these two down to the wire. I just, barring Eli and Chase literally wrecking themselves out of race and, and losing a lot of points around, I don't see how, how Webb builds up a, a points lead at this point. I don't think I can argue with you. Uh, Boyson is excited to spotlight. You can try. I mean, you can try. I'll, I'll think about an argument. Maybe we'll come back to it. <laughs> Boyson is excited to spotlight their Factory Racing's Rider Support Program, a comprehensive support system for the motocross and off-road riders. The program offers participation, exclusive access to Boyson's products, yearly discounts, and the potential to become one of their new product development test riders. Join the community of Boyson's Factory Flyers. Visit boyson.com to apply now. Uh, before we get to Benny here in just a couple minutes, big news Technically broke this weekend, or uh, <laughs> technically broke, what, Friday, Saturday, Friday, Friday? We're working on it. We're going to get to the news eventually. Yeah, I can't remember what, yeah, we, we we may or may not have broke it a little early, not on purpose, not our fault, but yeah, Eli re-ups, he's going to race 
Sounds like outdoors, super, uh, super motocross. Yep, outdoors, super motocross. I, I would say he's going to go for the trifecta of defending the one plate. I think we see him at destinations. Um, and then the most interesting thing in the press release is his wording. Um, he goes, I really thought, you know, this would be a farewell tour. So what do you tell me? This isn't a farewell tour? Are you leaving the door open for 24? Do some of these competitors need to be leaving a little sleep at night? Thinking, thought we were done with him finally. I like it. Uh, Scotty, I asked Chase in the press conference, how do you feel that you know, now you know you're going to have to go to war with this guy all summer? And he was excited. As a fan, how excited are you that he's, he's coming back? We know we're going to get a little more Eli. Um, as a fan, I am super pumped to see him do the outdoor championship, especially with uh, Jet joining. I think that there would have been a lot of questions if that had never happened. That kind of would have set up the bench racing for a lifetime of, well, you know, Jet never had to face Eli. Even though he's a more as older Eli, it's still going to be a, a consistency thing, an experience thing that he's not going to have. So I like it for the aspect that we're going to have potentially a three-way battle, just like we're having in Supercross right now. Um, I think with Sexton and Jet with and Eli, that's going to be an incredible summer. And it'll be cool to see that happen in a into a penultimate Supercross championship that's never been yeah. done before. The Supercross Motocross championship has never been done before. I think that that's very exciting. Um, as on this side of the of of the outlook of it, what changed? Why now? Why why all of a sudden in Dallas are we making the decision? What what kind of where where are we going with like why this would was the choice? Yeah, we'll get to that in a second. First, I'll, well, hang on. We, we oh. got a guest online. Probably, so but I didn't just, you know. We'll I get back to it. Let's, okay. let's get to our guest who's brought to you by FXR, which is d- designed by racers for racers. With industry-leading fit, finish, and performance, progression is the name of the game with every new piece created. At FXR, we push our brand to the next level to provide you with the best product possible. Visit FXRRacing.com to see the numerous gear lines and colorways, as well as the snow lines and lifestyle casual wear. Tonight, FXR brings us... From the Rock River Yamaha team, Mr. Benny Bloss. What's up, Benny? How's it going? It's going good, man. Good to talk to you. Uh, a good weekend for you, I feel like. How do you how do you look back on Arlington and this, the rest of your season so far? Uh, Arlington was good. Uh, huge steps in the right direction as far as like the riding in the mains goes. Um, qualifying was really good with eighth, but I qualified good at Tampa and um, Oakland as well. Um, but both of those races, I was horrible in mains where Arlington was quite a bit better. So I like how things are trending upwards and I just got to continue working on my starts to try to be able to be there more in the race in the beginning. Well, coming off of a one, obviously not a great race. You, you crashed and or injured your tailbone, uh, tailbone in the heat race. How much did, of a lingering effect was that on these finishes, or is it something else that you've kind of been struggling with? Um, I mean, it definitely had a little bit to do with, like, coming back was difficult. Um, honestly, it was kind of the whole prep was not the best. I got to, I moved down to Florida in the beginning of December, which was awesome. Um, but I was riding a 22. Yamaha, which is good, but it's, you know, it's quite a bit different than the, the 23. Um, so I'm riding just like a stock 22 with suspension. And then I ended up getting my 23s Tuesday before Anaheim one. And 
so I got two days on the bike before a one, which the bike is incredible. And if anyone out there is like looking to get a new bike, I highly recommend the new Yamaha. It is hands down the That's best stock crew. motorcycle I've ever rode in my life. Okay. Um, are you, are you getting a percentage off every one that you sell? <laughs> no, none, <laughs> okay. none at all. Just um, I just, I truly believe that it is the best dirt bike out there. It's, it was pretty crazy how comfortable I felt on it immediately and how much I liked it immediately. That's why I was like kind of fine with once I got on, like I was pretty nervous up until I got on the bike and then it was like, okay, we're good. Um, and then I had just an absolute embarrassment at a one and looped out in the whoops. And I, st- I have a video of it and I still can't figure out what I did wrong. Can you send um, that to us? Can I what? I, send that to I us. I, I promise Vital will not repost it. See, and that's see, that's where that's probably just not going to happen. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to get a, a video of me going around like the Jamie photo. You know, like that's... Ouch. Ouch. Okay, yeah, at least I mean, don't have an audio clip yeah, of you afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but oh, go ahead. so then like I was dealing with that, I had a pretty gnarly bruised tailbone, which I've never had before. And I can't imagine what it would have been like if it was broken because it was one of the most painful things I've had to deal with. That sounds fun. And the, the six hour flight back to Florida was not awesome. Monday after Anaheim. I imagine not. Uh, you talked about going from the 22 to the 23 Yamaha and previously you'd been on KTM's. Uh, mm. Were those changes? Was that a difficult adjustment? Just going from going from multiple teams and multiple bikes over a period of a, just a few years, is that something that is a struggle for you, or do you adjust pretty quickly? I mean, I feel like I adjust pretty quickly. Um, I've ridden a KTM the most, so going always going back to the KTM has been kind of easy for me. Um, but. I'm a really big fan of the Yamaha and if I wasn't with rock river, I would have been like, if I would have done completely my own program, it was going to be on a Yamaha. Um, and I, I just really like that bike. I feel like it fits me well. Um, so like transitioning to the 22 was pretty easy. And then, like I said, the 23, it was just like, as soon as I got on it and started riding, I was like, this is incredible. Like it'll be good. And like, at the races I've got my bike has obviously super cross suspension and then I've got bars and sprockets and a pipe. And that is the only thing done to my motorcycle. So we're working to hey, try to get some new too. parts for it. I think hopefully maybe next week I'll get an ECU and trying to get some stuff for it to, to get it a little better. But, um, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm racing that thing real stock, so it's, it's pretty good. I'm very happy with it so far. You've mentioned a couple of times how much you like it specifically. What is it about the 23 that you really like? What's standing out? So the bike is lighter and it's kind of hard to describe how <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It's like the, it corners so incredible not saying that the other one didn't corner good, but this one is like pretty much wherever you want to turn, wherever one, wherever you want to move the bike, you can do it. Like you can just manhandle it however you want. 
And the 22, I kind of struggled with that a little bit, especially like if I wanted to go really low in a berm and cut tight, I kind of struggled with that where this one's just like, you want to turn it? Boom. It turns as sharp as you want. It's just super easy to throw around. Um, and I feel like it's a little faster as well, which is nice, obviously. But um, And this kind of sounds weird because everyone that I talk to says that I look bigger on the new bike than I did on the other one. But it feels more comfortable for me. Like, I feel like I fit it better. Well, you look, Even if it doesn't look like it. You look big on any bike. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is an well, issue I think, that I've ran into. I think it's funny. I don't think you always, like, I'm always shocked. I have this conversation. People just ran a pants or somebody will ask, like, how tall is Benny? And when I tell them, like, I don't think anybody believes it. You don't run, like, really awkwardly tall, like, bars or seat or anything like that. I, I really think it's deceiving how tall you are on the bike. Yeah, no, that's, dude, people, so many people ask me about my setup and they're like, well, how? how tall risers do you run? Cause you have to run crazy, crazy bar mounts and crazy bars. And honestly, I want, I run like some of the lowest bars that ODI makes and like stock bar mounts and hmm. foot pegs are stock height. Like I don't, I run a tall seat on the Yamaha, but like on the KTM, I didn't run tall seat. I just, just pretty much stock height, everything. And I don't, I don't know if it's just because, like, growing up, I never, like, really tried anything new. So, I got, I always was comfortable riding a stock-sized motorcycle. Right. Scotty? Um, yes, Benny. So, uh, is there anything that specifically happens, like, on a race day that kind of determines your success or, you know, like days that you have success versus days that you don't, is there like one specific thing that happens or doesn't happen? Man, that's tough. I don't really know. I feel like I try to do everything exactly the same on race day. Um, you know, there's just some days where like right off the bat on lap one, like you're just, you feel good and you feel comfortable and like you're vibing with the track and everything's going good. Um, and then some days maybe you're struggling in the beginning. Um, I think that's just mostly like random, mm -hmm. which is weird, but, um, like Oakland was weird because the track was really nasty, but I felt pretty comfortable with it. Um, actually the last few races I felt just kind of like right off the bat, I felt good. Whereas like Anaheim one was first lap i was like man i feel terrible i feel like i've never rode a dirt bike on a super cross track in my life <laughs> and i get back and my dad was like wow you look horrible <laughs> and i was like oh okay well at least that's how i feel um i don't necessarily think that there's like one specific thing that i do that will determine it but i don't know maybe i'm just dumb <laughs> so it's so it's not your dad <laughs> it's not jeff <laughs> <laughs> no no i Oh man, the fantasy people the last <laughs> couple of weeks have just been like, it's the Jeff curse because yeah. he wasn't at uh, Oakland and I had a good day. And then he comes to Arlington. I had so many people that were like, well, I'm not going to pick you today because uh, Jeff Bloss is here. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I mean, and then I qualified good and they're like, yeah. yeah, but it's just qualifying. And then it's like, I have a good day. 
Mathis was like, you broke the curse. And I'm like, <laughs> like whatever you got to say, man. Hey, I was curious, Benny. So after kind of years of floating back and forth between um, being a Rocky Mountain, which of course was factory level equipment, um, mm-hmm. a good spot for you to be in, in terms of like knowing you have the equipment to show what you can do being on rock river kind of doing your own program in, in a way this year with your bike and stuff what's kind of your goals going forward like what's your aspiration the next couple of years do you kind of think like aha like how long of the building process do you think it's going to take to you know maybe get that opportunity again to be on a on a truly top tier program are you kind of placing your career where it's like oh, i might have to put something just more permanently together for myself down the road or kind of how do you feel about all that um man that's a good question i uh actually spent in the last couple months i guess leading up to the the season spent a lot of time talking about that with my wife and my family and it's like pretty much what i've come to agree with everyone is that like this year if i can't if i can't get a deal for next year where it's like i'm actually making money and like can have a ride where things are good, then I'm probably not going to continue. Um, just like, it sucks to say, cause like I, I love what I do and I have so much fun doing it, but like I'm not making any money, pretty much just spending money. And, um, it's just, it's hard when you're not on a program with, a bunch of staff members, a bunch of really good equipment, you know, it's like we're on a smaller program where it's, you got to make things work. Um, which I mean, I, I love the program and it's, it's going well so far this year, but we just, you know, you don't really have the resources that you would on a factory level team, obviously. But, um, I mean, I'm trying to make it work the best I can and just working my butt off during the week to try to get better results so that I can get, into a position where I am able to make money and I am able to continue racing. Cause I feel like I, you know, I feel like I can be good and I feel like I can do really good. I just need to apply it and make that a consistent thing where someone sees, even if it's just like a, like one or two sponsors where they're like, you know, we're going to step up and really help, um, to make it easier. Cause you know, it's, it's expensive. It's really expensive. So yeah, absolutely. Do you think it's getting to the point, like with some of the changes in the sport right now with the super motocross series, with world supercross, with Oz supercross coming back um, from the pandemic, you know, some off season money races, etc. cetera. Um, is there also any like thought on your part or you think there's maybe an opportunity to kind of, again, like maybe change your path a little bit and kind of, do like USSX, like is there from context you had, do you think there's enough, enough in it to go, Oh, I could go race Oz and world as well. And kind of do these races and sort of um, like guys like JT had done back in the past with Germany and, and sort of the direction Chiz was heading kind of prolong your career and make money that way and enjoy it enough. Or is, is the focus just really us indoors, outdoors or bust? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm willing to do whatever. Um, if, if I had a good opportunity to go race one of the other series, I would I'd definitely be willing to do it. Um, it's not, I'm not just like us or nothing, you know? Um, I think going to race in Australia would be super rad. Be able to go over there and, and see different parts of the world and also get to do what I love. I'm 
you know, I'm down for that completely. Um, and be able to make money doing it would be awesome. Um, I'm just like, right now I'm just, I feel like I can do good in us supercross and motocross. I just have to find a way to, to be able to apply what I would do during the week to the races. Cause during the week I'm fine. I, I do good. And then you go to the race and it's like, boom, crash here, crash there. And it's just, it's very frustrating. Um, but I'm definitely open to doing other things, not just the U S series. Nice. Hey, Benny, I meant to I, ask this. Uh, I do think the SMX thing though is pretty cool. Having the, the three races at the end of outdoors. And from what I hear, it's like a lot of extra money, which is always awesome as well. So I think that it's, yeah. I think where the sport is heading is pretty cool and, and going to be good. So, yeah, I'm still really curious. They haven't, released it yet but based on what i hear purse wise i mean we're looking at a a, a failed payout for the championship basically if you're the fourth it's a guy that wins the total points haul at the end of the year it's a million bucks it pays down to 20th i think i was told it's gonna be around 50 grand for 20th so you can kind of imagine what the payout will be in between 250s will have their own series payout and then i believe the round around across the three rounds the purse money should be I'm really guessing based on something I did on paper, I think it's, it might be around 400 grand per race total purse compared to like a normal supercross that's like 170 or something. Nice. Um, so yeah, there actually could yeah, be that's, some decent that's money solid. To, to be made there. <laughs> now, if only we could get the rest of the series yeah. to be like that, we'd be freaking. Be- Benny, you you'd be able to keep racing no matter what you're doing. Holy pro- get my pro <laughs> license. It's it's oh, nice yeah, to yeah, see Jamie though, did. like doing this year, seeing the changes with two fifty getting paid more. Like it's it's cool to see that. Sure. But, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of wondering how much that changes. Like everybody's defaults to go to the four fifty class because I get it. You would hey, even if I have a, a night where I don't make the main, at least I'm walking away with eighteen hundred, nineteen hundred bucks or something. Like at least I can kind of pay for my flight and some of my stuff. Two fifty used to be like five hundred dollars, being like eighth in an LCQ, but this year. 250s are definitely a lot more encouraging. I think maybe some guys will back off the whole, oh, I'm just going to ride a 450 because it's cheap and I can make at least pay to go racing. Yeah. Hey, Benny, I meant to ask this earlier. I've always liked seeing you on a KTM or Yamaha. It makes sense being the taller rider. Is there a bike that you just straight up wouldn't ride that you don't think would suit your height? Uh, I don't really think so. Um, I've rode... I mean, I've rode the, obviously the Austrian bikes, the Yamaha, I rode Moto Concepts. So there was the Honda after Moto Concepts. I had a Cali for the summer. Um, I've n- I haven't rode a Suzuki. I don't even think I've sat on a Suzuki like since 2013, maybe. So I don't know how that would feel, but I feel it's like they're same. all pretty similar size wise. Um, so no, I wouldn't really say. I'd be pretty much open to anything. Uh, are you working with Millsaps? I am not. Okay, were you? I mean, he, he helps me a little bit, like here and there, like today, he was helping me because um, yeah. he was out there with Dino. Um, oh, okay, but not not full time like I was last year. Okay, okay, I wasn't sure. Uh, press day for a guy like yourself on a team. You kind of talked about the team earlier. How beneficial is it getting a little extra track time, even though it's not the full track? I feel like it's very beneficial. Um, I was able to ride press at Tampa and then I'm able to, I'm going to be riding press this weekend as well. Um, 
I'm a big fan of it. And anytime I get a chance to, I try to, um, you know, a lot of times it's, you know, you're riding two, maybe three sections, but the biggest thing is like getting to feel the dirt and how the jumps are like the transitions. If you get to ride rhythm section is nice. Cause then you're able to play with suspension a little bit and I'm big press day guy. So as many as I can get, I try to do them. Um, they try to spread them out mm-hmm. quite a bit for us, but, um, yeah, yeah. Big fan. Benny, you know, you went straight to the four fifties, had a brief two fifty career. Do you think that if the futures program had been what it was now, then, then do you think that you would have still foregone the futures or would that have been something that you did? I mean, yeah, I think I probably would have done futures. Um, I, so when I went pro, it was, it was like when they, I want to say it was maybe the first year that they did like the AMA arena cross. The Ricky Carmichael You had to make the night show and that got you points. Yeah. And I was hurt during that. So I didn't get to do it during my A class year. So then like the year that I was actually going to race East coast, I had to do that. And the, they had changed the rules where, cause there were guys that would like make the night show and then they would just leave the year before. So uh-huh. then it was like, you had to race the main to get points. So I did that. And I want to say I went to two, maybe three races of that. I personally would have way rather done the futures races. Cause it, I mean, there's no better way to get used to racing a supercross race than getting to actually race the supercross. Um, well, and I think that it's really cool the, and it's weird for me, like being coming down here to Florida to Jet and Hunter's place. And there's like amateur guys riding the supercross tracks where like when I was B class and a class, it was like, you didn't really do that. Hmm. At least I didn't do that. Um, until I turned pro and I don't know. I think it's really cool for the kids nowadays, but I don't think that that necessarily would have made me ride two fifties any longer than I did. Yeah, I was going to say the, not to point out the obvious, but you would have actually had to do futures cause that's how you get a license now. So to answer the question, yes, Benny would have done futures like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Good point. ML. Yeah. yeah. I guess I didn't realize that you like absolutely had yeah. to do so it. I get, oh, the, you can get a little bit of points from Minios. Um, that's actually how Braswell did it. But I think they're eliminating that again for next year. Like you can do the Minios SX, and I think if you have a futures result in your report works or something like that. But basically, yeah, it's either futures or I think Minios SX only two that give you points for now. Benny, I got two more for you. You you mentioned during press like feeling the dirt. I want to ask you about the tracks this year. They've been breaking down quite a bit they've been pretty technical gnarly and then arlington like it looked good but everybody was saying that you know once you got down those couple inches to the base it was really slick how have the tracks been for you would you agree with that assessment yeah i mean i definitely agree oakland was so gnarly i wish that people got to like actually go down on the track and see it because it was hammered and a lot of the tracks before that were pretty hammered. Um, but like you said, Arlington, it's known for really good dirt. And like, people are always like, Oh, Dallas has to have like some of the best dirt in like first practice. It's always like sick. But then by the time the main events come around, it's always really slick. And 
I felt like this year the first main was pretty good, and then the second main was just like an absolute ice skating rink, and then the third main like it was better back to good, um, and that track was also I felt like it was really easy, not necessarily very technical. Um, kind of seems like they do that at the Triple Crown races, where like Oakland, I thought it was weird how Oakland was seemed like everything was really big and steep when that track like the last few years at least has broken down a lot when we're walking the track i was like this is just seems kind of weird how gnarly it is but i mean it made for good racing and surprisingly like in the main events i thought for sure that there'd be tons of dudes crashing because in practice it was just yellow flags everywhere and like nobody crashed in the main uh betty bloss brought to you by fxr tonight last question First, I must say congrats on your your Super Bowl win. Good for you. Uh, I will call you out for you know I was telling ML because I just left his house when my Niners were embarrassed, and you were mm. just texting me like every five minutes, like, "Oh, this is really bad. Oh, this is so bad. What's going?" You like, just kind of rubbing it in a little bit. And I I'm not real appreciative of that. You got to talk. You got to talk bad. I mean, had the Niners won and then went to the Super Bowl and just crushed the Chiefs, I would expect you to be just blowing me up. Oh, I would have. Yeah, I would have. But I'm going to be the bigger man and say congrats on uh, your team winning. Good for you. Well, I appreciate it. It's uh, it was nice to watch. I was like, I watched the first half at Michael Burns' house, and it was like, this is just not enjoyable <laughs> things are not going very good like they were playing all right yeah and like we left at halftime came back home and i was just like Mahomes seemed like he had gotten hurt before halftime i was like man I'm about to watch just the worst second half ever and then all of a sudden like first drive they're just on fire and i was like wow we're gonna win this thing all of a sudden, the NFL radioed down to the refs and said hey guys oh no you're supposed to let the chiefs win <laughs> always going to be haters, man. There's always I think it haters. Had more to do with the amount of Toradol that went in the ankle at halftime. <laughs> hey, I, I, you know, if our riders could get whatever he got. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's <laughs> right, whatever man. they gave him was good. Yeah. yeah, Benny, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Appreciate you, and look forward to seeing you this weekend in Daytona. Daytona, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, yeah, look forward to the next time. All right, buddy, we'll see you soon. Thanks, bye. Yep, see ya. Thanks to Benny Bloss for coming on. Brought to you by FXR tonight. Uh, Daxon Bennett coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, let's get back to the... We were discussing the Eli contract. And what was your question there at the end before we got Benny on? Scotty, Ooh. you remember? Um, I think you were questioning why now. Oh, and yes. And ML was, was going to say something, yes. Well, he's, go ahead, ML. I'm trying to actually remember what was it, why he resigned or why it was announced then. Yeah, like Simple, why, why did he sign now? That was what you were asking. Yeah, right? kind of, yeah. you know, it just, it just seemed kind of a little it's random. Two main, main things. He came into the season. Um, it's even why it, it took so long to get his contract extension done last year. Um, Yamaha and, and Star and, and Coke Carl's guys were hounding him a little earlier into the season um, about continuing. He wanted to see what the new bike was about. He did not sign that contract till he rode that new motorcycle. Mm-hmm. There were discussions before that, but that was the holdup. Um, you know, Chiz did that testing. They brought the bike out. I heard he rode it about 15 laps at home. And basically, come on, goes, okay, I'll, I'll sign. Let's go. 
Um, even with that, he even mentioned it this weekend. He mentioned it on, on press day quite a bit that just about, I was talking about enjoyment. I'm like, man, you know, it, it, we keep saying it, but I'm like, do you feel it? And he was talking about, yeah, just the environment, being mature, um, really appreciating the job now way more than he used to. Uh, but a big one he also mentioned is he was very surprised still how good they are on a new platform. I think no matter what that worried him. Um, he just needed to tick, I think, a couple boxes to decide to continue going. One is, is it going to go well on the bike? Um, you know, nobody wants to come in and flounder around on that thing. And if it, even if he knew coming in was good, but let's say he came up with a second or third, it'd be kind of like, yeah, you know, do I want to go do this outdoors if I know I, I can't, I may be a little bit off. Um, he seems to have answered that question and just enjoyment factor. Um, and I, I think it's as simple as, as those two things. He think he, he thinks he can keep winning and he's sure as hell enjoying it. Yeah. That's pretty much what he said to us. Uh, ML. So this weekend I put my WUSA wheels on my Husky or on the vital Husky 350 that I'm so in love with. And I got to tell you, the wheels are still kind of dirty from Glen Helen. So Shocking. I, yeah, well, I mean, they've been sitting at your house. You never cleaned them for me. I don't know what the hell happened, but I got them home. I cleaned them and I cleaned them with the Motul shine and go. Woo wee. They smell good. They look good. That stuff works, bro. The, the go, the go, the shine and go is fantastic. My wheels are bling, bling, bling. Uh, you got some behind you. I have some in here. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use for Scotty. He's got some little bo going on. I'm gonna use it for Scotty. <laughs> give me a little. <laughs> give me. Give me. The- <laughs> yeah, put it under. But yeah, the uh, give your ride a no, shine back. The Motul E10 Shine and Go Spray is our go-to detailer for all of our bikes. Motul E10 Shine and Go Spray cleans and restores plastic to like new condition, while leaving a protective film that repels dirt and grime. It smells like citrus, which is almost as cool as your garage smelling like race gas. You can find this and the entire Motul Power Sports product lineup at shopmotul.com. Shopmotul.com and enter code VITAL20 to receive 20% off your order of $50 or more. Any local cycle gear store or at any local cycle gear store or online, any major power sports website. Thanks to Motul for being on board. Thanks to WUSA as well. They'll be bringing us our next guest here just in a few minutes. Let's talk about Kenny for a minute. Kenny, up and down. Pretty much down to some degree, not what I expected out of him this year. But that first race, ML, he looked really good, except in the whoops. Looked awful. Yeah, I actually, I didn't think it was terrible in the whoops. It definitely was not good. Um, not as bad as it was maybe the week or two before. Okay. Um, just smooth track. It just seems to keep playing with him like things are smooth. Smooth track seems to work out okay. Um, two big ones. The track necessarily... Yeah, the whoops got edgy. The dragon's back got edgy. The big thing is the rest of the track got slick. Um, something I mentioned back at San Diego when it was slick is I thought he was struggling really bad with, with traction. Um, I know talking to the uh, team, you know, all they really focused on is suspension, um, nothing really with clutch or, or engine spec or anything. So I don't know if they've kind of maybe delayed finding other improvements with the bike because they're just so focused on that. But yeah, I think as the, the track gave away, as it got slick, he really struggled um, with traction there, just struggled to be to be comfortable. Um, yeah, kind of doesn't, doesn't shock me at this point to see him come out swinging when, when the conditions play a little more in his cards, but, um, yeah, still better than Oakland, better than Oakland where the first third of the race was really good. The second third was in the last third. It was pretty catastrophic. Um, the three mains were, while he dropped off in performance throughout the night, it was still a bit more consistent seeming. 
Yeah, when he was catching uh, Tomac in that first one, I leaned over to my buddy and was like, okay, Kenny. And then, yeah. like, literally, as I said that, he went into the whoops and, like, made that mistake. And I was like, oh, yeah, there's there it is. But I feel like when you see the way he rode that first one, Scotty, it's still there. Yeah, it's not, I mean. I think I really think his confidence is just shot. And that could go back to the suspension stuff. ML, what did you find out about the factory connection, because he's kind of gone back and forth. Uh, I, I know that you got well, in a little he, bit of he trouble. Hasn't, he hasn't come back on, let, to be clear, he has not come back on FC. He did okay. the, the few races on it, and he's off. Um, this also got me banned from the, the HEP truck for a while. That's well, cool. One um, of many teams that were mad at you this weekend. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> um, just trying to do my job. Anyways, uh, yeah, so the team, after, I think it was the opening round when, when, Kenny Wynn did the FC thing. Chiz also asked if he could work with the guy he had been working with in Florida for the past couple of years, which is Matt Androck that owns Active Ride Suspension. I've known Matt for a long time. Him and Ross made a really good buddy, so um, I got to work with Matt a little bit um, back when I worked for Ross back in the day. Um, Matt's a good dude, so he started doing Chiz's stuff. It kind of extended into Shane trying something with him to finally, you know, before Oakland, last minute Kenny wanted to try something, decided to go racing with it. So now Matt is sort of working for the team directly. Um, basically what we were told is the FC thing is not off the table. They are still working together, but it also the kind of the way of working together was they were pretty much told to go work on the dyno for a little while and see if they could find something that they think will actually work on the bike and, and bring it back. So the door is not closed. I don't know if that's two weeks from now, three weeks from now, four weeks from now. And that, that's still test. I don't know if, if Kenny develops with the current guy, if it goes better or whatever, it's just the door is not closed. Um, still kind of a weird subject. Yeah, from your experience, going and finding something better on the dyno, how close, once you, they find, let's say they find something on the dyno that they're like, oh, this is way better. How close does that translate once you actually put it on the bike be, to being equally as better as it is on the dyno? Um, I'm, I'm not super sold on dynos. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, they have, their, they have their point. Like, if you make changes more at the track based on feedback, you can bring it back on the dyno see what that that effect actually looks like to the curve uh, maybe take a, a combination of that information versus what they've been saying to get a, a further direction to go down so that's the thing if they have found a few things like if there was stuff they tried and kenny said this is better but i need to be 15 percent more that direction i need to go far direction they can go back and dyno and go okay you know based on they can go off his feedback but they can look in paper and go okay it did this <clears throat> this point at the stroke at this you know shaft speed um they can go in there and keep trying stuff to go that percentage on paper um, and at least go that direction. And also from there, they can also see if certain parts, you know, get something drastically different. They can have a couple ideas to come testing with, but then you still have to bring it back and go off rider feel. And what's really weird is there are certain things with a bike um, that has to do with how the bike loads and balance. There's certain changes that on a dyno will look insanely small, but a rider will come back and be like, that's huge. Like they will come back and think it's a huge change. And then there's stuff you'll do on the dyno that's big and you'll bring it to, to the track and they'll be like, mm, I don't notice it that much. I, I usually think of stuff like that, like heavy bottom resistance, you can make like a big improvement there and the guys might not notice it as much. Where again, stuff just based on how the bike weights itself in a corner and settles might look really minor on a dyno, but it might be really big to the rider's feedback they give you. Okay. No, I was just looking at the points and seeing him fifth <clears throat> behind Anderson, Sexton, Tomac, and, and Cooper, like... To be honest with you, that that's kind of what I expected. It doesn't really like surprise me at all. Every, no, it's like everybody's you know hitting the panic button and stuff. And I'm like, man, this. I mean, top five on the opportunity that he has, I 
I don't think anything's that uh, was kind of what I expected. I'm not super surprised by him being fifth. I'm more surprised that he hasn't been more uh competitive more often. I thought that he would be running up front with them maybe the first few laps here a lot more or you know just more than he is. It, mm, there's been some rough races where He's had a couple of decent ones, but not what I expected. I I thought he could compete for a win at I, least once or twice. I you know I had an early hope for it, but like at the same time, you look at the ups and downs he had at HRC when you had all the the knowledge and people in the world. And no offense to the HEP team, this is this is nothing against them. They they are well aware of this. They're still building. Um, Doc Larry and certain guys on this program, <clears throat> they were not ready for this, and they knew that. Um, they had to take the chance and the gamble. I get it. It happens. Uh, but yeah, how do you, how do you take a program like this that just, you know, there's some good people in there, but they've all just been kind of assembled together for this year. Some of them, um, you're on an old platform. You don't have direct factory OEM support for certain components. That means you have to source it more yourself. They're not a team that's been sourcing a lot of custom equipment. Um, you got somebody like Kenny, who's definitely been looking for stuff. It didn't go well at Honda. So automatically I'm like, yeah, this not, nothing that we're seeing right now surprises me. Um, I, I don't know, kind of Oakland layer one. I, this may be rude, but I'm actually a tick surprised we haven't had more like really bad races. Um, I, I think he's been decently consistent for what it is. Um, I, I, I would actually say I lean a little bit towards the, I actually think it is going better than maybe I thought it would. By, by, we're talking like 5%, like very minor amount. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Uh, trying to, I want to thank uh, WSA again. WUSA is your source for all things wheels. If you're looking for a complete set of wheels for your bike, we have something for every budget. If you want to use the same wheels used by Eli Tomac, Cooper Webb, Malcolm Stewart, Christian Craig, Chad Reed, and Jeremy McGrath, just to name a few, we have what you need. We have the exclusive W Edge wheel set starting at $799. As the exclusive importer of Han Kite, Talon Hubs, as well as Excel and DID rims, we can build your dream wheels. Give us a call. Check out our website, WUSA.com. Use promo code MOTOXPOD to save. Tonight, WUSA brings us from Star Yamaha, Mr. Daxon Bennett. What's up, Daxon? What's going on? Not much, dude. Uh, you're running WUSA to, to that win this weekend? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a good weekend for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you've won the first two Supercross Futures. What were your expectations going into these things? Um. Yeah, I expected to win. That was what... The team expected also, so the expectations were high, but I knew uh, I knew these goals were definitely achievable. So I was excited. Obviously, my first one being Anaheim two, really cool uh, experience. Honestly, it's good. I think it's a really good step before you have to go into the pro class. Yeah, we think so too. What was there anything that surprised you at A two and even at Arlington? Just the, with the program, the day program, the racing. Then you know the lights coming on, the fans. Was there anything that you were kind of like, oh wow, this is this was a little surprising? Um, yeah, I would I would probably say the track. Obviously, um, it was a little more peaky than I've been practicing on. Not mm. nothing crazy, really, but uh, obviously, since it's inside of a dome and stuff, it's it's a good bit tighter too. Like you come out of the corner, you're straight into the whoops and like the rhythm, like you're landing, turning immediately. So I would say that's pretty, that's honestly the biggest like thing that surprised me the most. But uh, yeah, other than that, it was pretty, pretty normal. Okay. Hey, Daxon, this is Scotty. I wanted to know this being most likely your last year in amateur racing. It may have been this weekend. 
what is a bucket list item that you have is for before you go pro? Um, so to answer your first question, yeah, I, I believe this will be my last year in amateur and, uh, I would love to win the horizon award at Loretta's for sure. That would, that would be a good way to end my amateur career. Seems to be a, a, a successful formula. Yeah. <laughs> ML. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so I know it's, it's been talked about a little bit that kind of this opportunity with star was a little bit of, of we'll call it a tryout or a temporary deal to see how it was going. Um, of course, so far on track on race day, it's going well. Um, personally, looking back, are you? Do you still ever get nervous at all that you took this kind of chance on this that didn't exactly have a, an, you know, a long term goal or a long your long term goal would be to stay, but maybe from the team there wasn't exactly for sure a long term option. Um, do you still get nervous about that at all, or are you starting to feel like you really made the right decision here? Yeah, obviously, when I took the deal, it was a, a pretty big leap of faith, honestly. Um, I had a pretty good contract for from KTM, but uh, I honestly really wanted to be on Star, and I thought if I wanted to be a champion, then Star was going to be able to help me in the best way to do that. So I did. I'm glad I took a deal. At first, I was nervous. Um, now, winning the futures, and I'm riding a lot better now, and I have a lot more confidence now. And I believe that if I keep it up, then you know. I think it'll be good. My future should be good here. So uh, I'm not as nervous about it anymore, but I'm more confident. How rough um, <clears throat> was when you first went down there? Um, I know Star has a reputation for the weeks are intensive. Uh, intensive. You've got a lot of a lot of fast guys down there. You're all kind of on the same program. Um, you got Swanee. You got uh, Jeannie working with you. Um, was it a little bit of a, a rude awakening? Did, were the first couple weeks pretty smooth or, again, kind of that whole, like, did you question yourself at all the first couple weeks when you went down there? Was it was it a lot to take in? Um, yeah, the, the program's pretty pretty gnarly, obviously. Uh, it'll definitely make you tough for sure. Um, yeah, it took me a couple, obviously, it took me a couple months, really, to, to figure it out and start getting comfortable. But the first few weeks were good, just learning, learning the bike learning the program, learning the team. Uh, I would say it was pretty smooth. Um, I didn't have – I rode Supercross mainly, and then I jumped on outdoor for, I think, two weeks and then went to Minio's. So didn't have much time on outdoor, but, uh, I mean, I, I would say it went pretty smooth. Hey, Daxton, I wanted to ask you, and I don't know what your answer would be exactly, but you had won – I think five Loretta's titles and multiple amateur titles with Orange Brigade. Did you decide to go to Yamaha because you felt that it was the best chance to win a championship, as you said, or did you just feel like you needed a change in general? What what brought the change on? Um, well, there's a long story to it, honestly, but okay. um, I you mean, have, you don't have to tell was, us if you don't want to. Kitchen was about good it. and everything, but uh, I've honestly always wanted to be on Star and. Like, the bike is very good, don't get me wrong, but it's not just the bike. Like, the team is – it feels like you're actually on a team here. You know, like, mm-hmm. everyone really wants to help you, and they're always on you to make you better, and they're straight honest with you. So, this is, I feel like, the best place for me. Um, every day, I mean, everyone's at the practice track watching, so the pressure's on almost every day. So, it's good, and it keeps you accountable for sure, but – yeah, I mean, I feel like this team is uh, really, really wants to win more than any other team. So 
yeah, it's good when you're on a team that wants to win. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one one other follow-up I had about the opportunity. If uh, This is a couple years back. I can't remember if this was your super mini year or your first big bike year. I, I feel like it might have been your super mini year. Um, when you were with KTM, did you have Star approach you um, and you decide to stay put at, at that point? Kind of like, you know, this opportunity here is more like the second coming. Was Was there a very serious conversation at one point in the past? Uh, yeah, there was, it would, it was my first big bike year. Um, I was, I think 13 on a 250 and I got second to Levi at Loretta's. So, um, you, and you got, you had done yeah. your collarbone like right before that, right? What'd you say? You had broken your collarbone right before that too, right? Didn't you come yeah, to Loretta's two, only like two a weeks, weeks before Loretta's? I broke my collarbone. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, back to your question. Um, yeah, they did. They did offer me a deal back then. Um, I mean, I I still loved. I really wanted to go on Star back then too, but I feel like it was the safe option was KTM at the time. So, um, I mean, looking back, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should have went Star earlier, but I feel like this timing now is is really good, and I feel like I am I am where I should be. Do you also think taking, again, staying at KTM is, you'd already done once, it was a safe option. You had the opportunity with them that was somewhat long-term again to, to probably go through pro, I would imagine. So even for yourself, like, was it a, do you feel like it was a really good point to even challenge yourself to kind of prove to yourself, like, hey, I can step up and, and do this, basically. It's, it's kind of sink or swim. Do you feel like that was actually good for you coming into, into your pro career instead of maybe staying in a comfortable situation? Yeah, the thing I worried about it was uh, I didn't know if that comfortable KTM deal would ever get me anywhere. To be honest with you, yeah. um, I don't. I didn't know if I would ever stay in the same place. You know, so uh, this was a sink or swim type of deal, and uh, I just had to go for it, and that's what I did. And right now, it's it's working really good. I hope it continues to. And I think as long as I put in the work and show the results, then it should be good. And I'm, I believe it's going to pay off. Got it. Hey, Daxon. So these two Supercross Futures races that you've done, Arlington and Anaheim 2, those are both really solid crowds. A lot of turnout, a lot of, a lot of um, fan cheering and stuff going on. Was that anything that kind of caught you off guard? Overall experience on what you thought of being under the lights in front of the fans? Um, yeah, so the first one in Anaheim was uh, definitely a shocker, like, I rode all day, obviously, practicing Friday, then qualifying for Saturday. And then we raced that night, I think around like eight. And, you know, I walked out of the tunnel and like the the stands were completely filled. And it was it was definitely shocking. Like I always dreamed of racing in front of a crowd like that. And, you know, it was a uh, it was a dream come true kind of thing. It was a big deal. Like it shocked me for sure seeing everyone around like there to watch me it felt like so yeah it was really good hey uh daxton so you're uh, sorry ml mentioned you working at the farm with the star boys you've had some time to work with Jeannie carmichael who has a pretty re- great reputation of getting the most out of somebody and i've heard that she's kind of helps you work in the whoop section kind of just talk about working with Jeannie and what she's helped you with and how aggressive she can be yeah, I love Jeannie. She's really good. She helps me a lot. Um, 
she'll even stay like after our, what we got to do our motos or sections or whatever and help me get better like where i'm weak at and i mean she's really she's really good she'll help you and she keeps you very accountable all the time like if you don't get a certain lap time then you have to redo it or it's not like that all the time but there is times where it's like that so she's uh she's hard on me but she's hard on everyone and that's what makes us so good i feel like yeah, I I just did an interview with her a couple of weeks ago. She's so sweet. It's hard to imagine her being hard on somebody. But uh, <laughs> you talked about her work, helping you work on your weaknesses. What do you feel like is your biggest weakness right now? Um, probably for Supercross would be just, you know, that intensity, that raw speed um, is hard for me sometimes at the practice track when the track is, I mean, the, really all you got to do is hit the rhythms right and just rail the corners. But that's that's what's hard for me. It, it comes easier for me whenever the track is beat up and, you know, it's edgy and the whoops aren't easy. Like, that's when I'm good. And that's why I, when I can, like, maneuver the track pretty good. But when it's smooth, it's hard for me just to go kind of balls out. So that's my biggest weakness, I feel like. Um, yeah, and she, she helps me a lot with that. Sometimes I'm a little off on the tracks like that. And, uh, yeah, but I'm getting better at it. That makes no sense. That's the only time I can go good is when the track's perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was um I was talking to your to your agent uh, Beeks. Uh, from my understanding, you know, we don't have an exact official answer. But when I also talk to like Jensen and stuff about Loretta's, like they're already talking about you know you racing and everything. So are you starting to get kind of more of that indication of like I you know you have a long term. Uh, long-term home at the moment um do you actually like know for sure sure yet or is it still kind of like okay i'm just doing my thing here and just proving myself yeah um i don't really know for sure but um you know i believe if i keep on the right path and keep doing what i'm doing which there isn't any reason i shouldn't be but um yeah i think i'll i'll earn that and yeah i, I believe that i love the team and i would i wouldn't want to be anywhere else so um, this seems really good and I believe that I just got to keep putting in the work and it'll come for sure. Are you, uh, are you still RV life in it at, at the property or? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still in the RV. I'm in it right now. <laughs> <laughs> Scotty. Hey, so I'm so sorry. I was switching cameras. Uh, <laughs> we had a picture of you on your warm up bike like uh, getting ready for the race and you had your headphones going on. What do we, what do we jam into? <laughs> um, really anything. Um, I mean, any rock or rap kind of gets me in the mood, gets me in the zone. I don't listen to music really when I'm practicing, but definitely when I'm racing, I like to, I like to, the tunes get me loosened up for sure. Come on, give us a name drop. <laughs> I mean, we can go freaking. Metallica, we go. Aerosmith, uh, that Nirvana is pretty good. Sometimes you got to throw in some rap, Key Glock, <laughs> uh, uh, what's that, Future. Yeah, anyone really. I like rap and rock. Uh, Michael Lindsay, I think the next time I do one of my music interview type things, I, I get, I'm about to get Daxon involved. He's got some good picks. You're, you're, I know as soon as he named off Metallica instantly, I, I knew you were stoked. I lit up. Yeah, that's, yeah, Daxon, <laughs> Good vibes you, him, Eli, you're all buddies. Yeah, Daxon, we'll talk in the future about music. Uh, but <laughs> for now, you mentioned, again, going to Star, and there's more pressures with that team. They, ex they have high expectations. I'm sure you've almost always dealt with pressures. 
How different is it now with the expectations? Do you feel that to a point where you got it's almost a struggle at all? Yeah. Um, so I, I feel the pressure for sure, but I feel like the goals are really achievable. So I don't stress it too much. Like I know that I'm good enough to do it. So um, I don't, I try not to let it get to me because if I let, let it get to me, then that could affect my performance. So, I mean, I block it out pretty well, I would say. And uh, yeah, I just go do my thing. ML, you got one? Oh, I, I was uh, okay. I was making a note for something. <laughs> okay. Hey, I want to ask you, since we were talking about, you know, the future, what you might be doing, uh, what about Freestone coming up? Is that part of the schedule or are you just focused on Supercross? Yeah, so I will be racing Freestone and that Moto Playground race right after that. Okay. I'm not doing Daytona this year, but yeah. that's the only one I'm not doing. Okay, cool. I'll be out. Th- I'm in Texas, so I will see you at the Freestone race. I was just curious. Scotty, you got one? I got yeah, one. Nope. You're- okay, well, I- here's what I want to ask you then. Um, I lost my train of thought, but that's all right. Oh, with the, the team that you're on, with the riders that you have, Eli and all the, the 250 riders and Dylan Ferrandis, what kind of advice are you getting from these guys What you know, on race day and in practice? Can you go to any of them and say, hey, I need help me out with this? Yeah, so the 450 side is a little bit more separate, kind of. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I know Dylan pretty well. I can go talk to him, but... You know, mainly I'll talk to like Levi or Styles, or if they, if it's the East Coast guys, I'll talk to Jordan or Nate. And uh, yeah, I mean, really anything. Like uh, in Arlington, I was a couple practices after their time time thing. So uh, yeah, I was kind of asking them what where they were going in the whoops, like what side they were hitting, and uh, yeah, ask them how the track is going to be and what they what they think. So. Yeah, I mean, I can get input from any of those guys. It, it, it's definitely helpful. Yeah, they're pretty forthcoming in, in helping you with advice, though. Yeah, for sure. Good. To extend that a little bit, as a little guy, who was who was your hero? Who was your guy? Uh, whenever I was young, like before 10, I loved Ryan Villapoto. And then I started liking uh, Dungey for a long time. Uh, then I would say after that, Cooper Webb, probably. So, yeah, those are the guys. Right on. Hey, I was curious. I know you hate you and Hayden are really close. Getting to watch his first couple pro races here and how it's going for him. As I said, there's things you can learn from from the big guys on the team, the big men on campus. But watching Hayden go through what you will likely be going through next year, what have you learned the most um, from watching Hayden's first three races? Is there anything you've really taken away from that? Um, obviously the first thing that comes to my head would be starts. Starts are really, really important. If he gets a good start, you know, maybe he don't have that, the speed to run with him for the whole moto, but it helps him out a lot and it separates him from the chaos and the people behind him. So if he gets a good start, you know, he's a top five guy. We've seen that. So, uh, yeah, I would say starts and just being smooth. Like there's a lot of chaos in the, East East class, I feel like right now. Dax, the last one I have for you on the podium. You said that you did not feel fast. What <laughs> did you mean by that? Did you literally just feel like you were going slow, or did you just feel off? What What did you mean by that? Yeah, I, I mean, like I was being straight honest. I felt very slow. Like my whoops were pretty solid. They were really beat, so I was trying not to crash really. But, <laughs> um. I just wasn't hitting the corners like I 
feel like I should have been. Um, I was managing kind of. The track was really beat up, and I was a little like I had like a like half of me wanted to just be smart, and that's kind of what I did. But the other half, like I wanted to send it and see really how fast I could go. But I didn't want to take a risk of crashing. But honestly, I, I did like that track was pretty slow already. It felt like, especially compared to Anaheim too. So, um, yeah, I just felt like everything was coming at me in slow motion. The hmm. track was really rough, so it wasn't nearly as fast as qualifying. Okay, gotcha. Well, hey, man, I appreciate yep. you jumping on with us for a little bit. It's been great talking to you, and uh, look forward to seeing you in Freestone here in a couple weeks. Yeah, that'd be sweet. I'll, I'll see you there. Absolutely. Daxon Bennett tonight brought to you by WSA. Daxon, have a good night and appreciate you. All right, you too. Thank you, guys. All right, see ya. All right, yeah, that was good stuff, man. Good getting good uh, getting to know him just a little bit. Um, yeah, what do we want to go to next, ML? Let's see. Uh, what about... Do, do we know how to pronounce Julian's name before he comes on? I've, I've heard there's some uh, pronunciation. Uh, pe- prom- people from Texas can't pronounce stuff, I heard. He's uh, not from Texas. He, he, <laughs> oh, he said he should, be, uh, he should be on in about five to ten minutes, and he told me Beaumaire. Yeah, Julian Beaumaire. Beaumaire. I, I don't know if I who, – who is this person from Texas that can't pronounce it? I thought that's what I heard, uh, heard last um, – who, whose name did you guys butcher last week? Was it me? Did I butcher it? Oh, I don't know. That's yeah. a possibility. There, there was one that like had letters added into it that don't exist. I thought I heard there was a joke about Texans can't like pronounce or something weird. So I was giving you guys. Oh, I think you did put, add an L to somebody's name. Oh, yeah. Geisler. Yeah, Geisler. Yeah, Geisler. Yeah. Where Where did the did L it, come from? I, did it just like I? I probably said it wrong. I didn't even realize it. I just kind of right. slipped. I'm. Not, I have he a little bit really of the stutter either, but I'm in now. I'm in. You're in. I hope so, because you got beat at Star you know Wars versus it, MXGP trivia. Well, Lewis got lucky. I think what it is, is I think the way the announcer in the MXGP says it kind of makes me think that it had, a, I don't know, had an L. I'm, I've seen it with a J, and I've obviously realized that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. We Listen, ML, people make mistakes sometimes. Yeah. All no, the no. time. Excuse let's, me, Mr. Perfect. Be, before we get before we get <laughs> Juju on, let's talk about Joey Savacci and Adam Cianciarillo at Arlington ML. Both wrist injuries, quote unquote. We don't know the exact details on either one completely. I heard Savacci thinks he's going to be okay. AC, there was <laughs> yeah. was there an announcement made yet? No, but okay. he's going to be out for a few weeks. It sounds like um, the thing that worries me about AC situation is he rode press day. Nothing happened that any of us saw. I don't know if he OJ'd anything. I, I saw him talk. OJ'd, like yeah. I know a few people that walked back with him and talked to him, and they didn't even have a clue they'd heard it. Didn't say anything. So the again, when you just read between the lines with wording, I didn't like that the PR said they had aggravated something. Mm-hmm. Typically, okay. I, again, I might be reading in this too far, but typically you aggravate existing injuries. You don't. You yeah. you create if they would say he jammed it and hurt it that would be one thing but to say he aggravates it's like hmm there's probably something that was already tweaked especially enough that um, you know he's missing uh, potentially a couple of rounds so that that's a bit worrisome um, when it comes to the wrist and then yeah it sounds like Joey's good he he took a big digger um, depending on the AC situation also I'm kind of wondering what does it look like for Joey of course Joey's been getting a little bit of backdoor help from those guys and Ryan Cowie's he wants to. You know, he wants to be that built-in guy when it happens. So his deal is kind of through this weekend in Daytona. But then after that, I don't know. Maybe we see him on AC's bike for a couple rounds if he has to sit out. Um, I know I talked to Rick Ware this weekend. I know they'd like to keep helping him for the rest of the year. But as well, they've got him, I believe, now locked down 
um, for World SX, and that's their, their big focus with him. Um, so I don't think they'd also have a problem. You know, it's just been them trying to kind of put together a program mm-hmm. to help him. So I think they would also still be very cool um, with that. And I think that's what Joey's kind of told him the whole time is, look, the only the only place I'd really go is to go ride that bike. Um, so I, I would say we see Joey on the on the Rick Ware bike more than likely this weekend, but I would not shock me if uh, the next week or two if, uh, we see Moonlighting over on EC's bike, depending on what that issue actually looks like. But to circle back, I'm a little worried um, because of the way it was worded in, yeah. in the situation. Well, we, we know that PR for these teams sometimes misrepresents or makes mistakes. Maybe AC just said, I'm really aggravated. And they said, oh, you aggravated it. Maybe that's all that happened, ML. Maybe he was just aggravated. Hopefully. I don't know. Uh, but I did see Scotty. I saw Joey Savacci over at the Pro Circuit rig. Every time I walked by there, he was inside. So I do think there's something to that. And I would be thrilled for him to get that opportunity. Last year on the, the factory Kawasaki, he killed it outdoors. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting because... Because Why? Because I, it's just like it's funny how they both Savachi and AC like end up in this situation at the exact same time. Like I, I just feel so bummed for AC. That's really that's really all I can think of is I'm just like I can't. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I feel so bad for the guy. He every time I talk to him, ML, he's trying to stay positive. We've heard him on Pulp and different shows where he's like, "Look, I just I'm, that's where I'm at in my life. I'm finding the positive in things." It's got to be difficult though. Any of these guys. Same with Ken Roxon, you know, it, it eventually as a human being, these things get to you, but it seems like he's, he's staying up right now, positive wise, mentally. Yeah, I, I feel very, see just kind of, you know, difference in approach where we're trying to build this year and yeah. stuff still happens. It's just, you know, it's tough. People always will be pretty critical of riders. Like they need to do this different. They need to do that. Well, shows even when a guy changes their their perspective their outlook their approach like it sucks man dirt bikes jack jack us up pretty good um i continually i mean the more all these injuries pick up i'm just always i get it i'm not a guy that likes to wear a lot of protection when i ride but man it's just over and over like there's a joke there by the way i i don't i what was that there's a joke there by the way what was that you didn't you don't like to wear a lot of protection when you ride (laughs) <laughs> do we have a sponsor for that not yet uh, uh, yeah, we'll have to talk to our sponsor <laughs> hey six, get get a hold of 60 see if we can get that yeah. out um <laughs> great uh no i i just feel for these guys like i don't know there there's definitely a part of them, like man we we kind of put ourselves in these positions though a little bit you know what i mean in in the sense of and we're, we're doing that dangerous as for we're not really yeah. willing to, to gear up for it most of the time. It, it doesn't shock me that we just continue to, to have these guys get hurt. Um, I think it makes me look back on somebody like Carmichael's or Dungy's career. I think especially like Dungy's, like just some of those guys I look up to so much more respect. I was like, I don't know if they did something with their, their off the bike train to just be more resilient, just how they picked and choose their battles. But it is, it is really hard to get through this, um, this sport without, you know, getting jacked up basically every year. Definitely. Hey, I want to bring up Andy Gregg and the Guts Racing Crew have been providing the best seats and foam in the industry for years. For 2023, they have added Kawasaki to their complete seat lineup as well as a color teal to the gripper material options available. Also new for 2023 are options for e-bikes. They have complete seats for the Teleria, Super 73, and covers for the Segway and Suron. And they have options for the Honda, KTM, and Husqvarna electric bikes. Tonight, Guts Racing brings us from the Orange Brigade, Juju Bomer. What's up, Juju? 
Hey, how's it going? It's going good. So first things first, do you prefer to be called by the nickname or by your first name, Julian? Uh, by the nickname, yeah. Okay, okay. and did I say it right, Beaumaire? Yeah. Perfect. We were discussing that. I asked you specifically how to say it, but I want to make sure I got it right. Dude, uh, two Supercross Future races down, one on a Yamaha, one for Orange Brigade. We got a lot to talk about. How do you feel about this weekend with the Orange Brigade? Daniel Blair sneaking in, getting you signed. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Um, definitely, there were some unknowns on uh, how I was going to feel on the bike with only a couple hours on it. <laughs> um, we weren't 100%, 100% sure if I was even going to race until, honestly, probably Monday, the Monday of the, of the race. We were still skeptical where's my speed out on the bike and I, I was feeling pretty good so we decided well we'll give it a go get some racing time on it and uh just try to learn see see where i'm at against those guys on a on a good rough track uh last week and and improve from there well you were definitely fast dude uh qualified second finished third I think you had a little bit of a bad start that you had to work through, but yeah, you were definitely fast and looked comfortable, especially for just having a little bit of time on the thing. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, it was, uh, it was definitely for me different. Obviously I only had a couple days on the bike and, and we were still working on suspension, trying to get me comfortable. And that was a track. I've, I've never ridden the track, anything like that. Mm. It was definitely, uh, hard learning experience to uh to figure out the track in the main event especially the whoops they were brutal so we were we were jumping around with suspension settings all day trying to find something that would work with that track because we test we were testing in california and when you come to a track like that it's definitely a different ball game definitely hey i was uh, curious so it's a it's a big adjustment to see you um, on Orange Brigade, um, sounds like from talking to those guys, it's definitely a, a long-term commitment. They're really interested in uh, bringing you, got, you all the way to pro. They see something, um, you know, they definitely see something in you and want to explore that. Um, can you tell people for maybe that don't know a lot about your background, kind of what your past couple of years have been like um, in amateurs, you know, what, what program you've been on, uh, what it was like to get to this point. And one last little piece to that is I'd heard a rumor, I don't know if it was late last year, I'd heard a rumor about a potential maybe star test that you had participated in. Again, just kind of trying to explain to people like kind of what your background is and where you've been at before getting this opportunity with KTM. Uh, yeah, the last couple of years, I jumped on a 250 pretty early. I was on one when I was 14, and I, that was when I was still with uh, Suzuki on, on in the amateur. So I was I was on that bike for a little bit, and then. I went to JMC Husqvarna. They helped me out for a little bit. I won uh, a Loretta's title with them. And then I was with EVR last year. Uh, they helped me out a ton, getting me through last year and uh, providing me with a good bike. And we had some good results. I mean, Loretta's was pretty good despite a couple crashes, a couple little things on my end. Um, and then I went to Minio's. I was really good on the bike at the time and i was really happy with where i was at speed wise uh, i had a good first portion of supercross and i had a just pretty big crash with with janik came together and that was that was a hard one 
to take because I felt like I was really good on the bike at the time. And, and I was really contending for the titles that week. And, uh, star called me. I went there for two days. I rode with them and they really just didn't have anything. They were, they had a lot of guys, they have a lot of guys, obviously. So there was nothing really there. Um, but they said with Hayden moving up, there's a potential opening if Hayden does move up. And then, uh, so I just, I kept working, uh, I switched trainers to Davey, Davey Millsaps. And that was, I think a big change for me that I needed, um, a new, new environment to be around new people to be around. And, uh, that I feel like was really what, uh, got me got me going right before futures i was gonna say i think um if i remember right at least when i used to see you on locally on um suzuki and then jmc i think you were working with unique at the time um i know he's very big on technique he's you know he worked with joe he's worked with a lot of guys that have a really great style on the bike he works very heavily on that i feel like um davies you know maybe works more with like intensity in certain things um, was that kind of like, you know, what, what was the big difference between the programs? Like what helped you, um, the most as you're making this transition to, you know, really trying to show people what you can do on a supercross track? Um, I think a lot of it was just, I was with Yannick for six years. Um, I trained with alongside Joe for a while and then Joe moved. So I was kind of, I was kind of there alone. I mean, I had uh, Preston Bass Flute was training with me also, but I was I was getting faster on Supercross, and for me, I felt like I was just kind of stuck at a, at a spot where I was stuck in a, in a certain pace that I couldn't get out of, and I just needed almost to be around uh, faster guys like Dean, faster guys to be around just. To, to have something to chase after and to and to push with and uh and Davey's also very tough and very very hard on me so every day's been been really good and and he always gets the best out of me um every day no matter if I'm if I'm having a hard day or not he he definitely pushes me to be better every day and I feel like that was a big big thing that I needed so after A2 qualifying, when you went out, you were number one on the board. I remember walking through the pits, and all of a sudden, it, it's it's actually you've had some really good results as amateur, but that really, like, all of a sudden, I'm just hearing some of the mid-level teams walk around, and all of a sudden, your name is just, like, everywhere in the paddock that afternoon. Um, how many phone calls did you get the next week? Did did your phone start blowing up quite a bit? Um, were, like, did, were you, you know, stoked with the amount of response you got from it, or...? Yeah, I was really stoked. Honestly, I was I was quite surprised with myself that that day. Um, I'd been pretty good at the practice track, but I mean, obviously, I like when I was at Star, Deegan was running three, four seconds faster than me every lap. So I mean, it was like where where was I going to stack up? And I wasn't. I I had known Deegan was going to come in come in fast. Obviously, he's been training with those guys, and and I saw his speed when I was there. So I was I was honestly quite surprised. Um, I had, for me, I I really like those tracks where you got big rhythms out of the corners, um, like big three in, big three ons, and and I felt like the Anaheim two track suited me pretty well because you had those big 
those big lines that that were fast. Um, so I felt like that suited me quite well, but I wasn't, I definitely wasn't coming in there expecting to qualify like that. And I'd known like at my speed at the practice track, I could do it multiple laps. So I'd known my, my fitness was there and I didn't, I just didn't know where my speed was going to be if, if I was there. And when I went out there, I I saw P1 on the board (laughs) and I, I came back into the pits and I was like, wow, like that felt, that felt good. I felt strong. I felt consistent. I felt smooth. I didn't feel like I was out of control and they, they all just told me, they said, a lot of people were watching. You need to stay, you need to stay calm. You need to stay confident and you need to, uh, you need to not focus on all the stuff around you. So I, I just, I stayed kind of in my motor home all day, the rest of the, the rest of the day till the night show, just tried to, uh, listen to music, not, not focus on too much. And I just wait till after the race, um, to, to really, know like where what was going on and and who had been talking about me but to take it all in um, yeah take it all in and just really really think about what i want what i want to do going forward because obviously i was really i was really comfortable on the on the bike i was on um and we we were all quite like when i we got the call from ktm we were just like we're in a really good spot right now with the bike will we like will we like the bike? Obviously it's a, a completely different frame, completely different chassis. So we're like, well, will we like the bike? Will I, will I gel with the bike? And, uh, that was the first day I got on the bike. I mean, I felt right at home right away. And, and all those guys over there were really helpful. Nice. And, yeah. The, the point of these futures is, you know, obviously experience and just kind of taking it steady and just getting results did you feel that you had to like kind of change your mindset from maybe most of your amateur career where it's like gate drop hammer down? Do you had, did you have to redo what you've kind of always done in the past? Yeah, for sure. Um, for me, Anaheim was really just get, get a good result. And when the gate dropped, I just went back to the, to the hammer down right away. And obviously it costed me. I cased the triple on, on lap one when I shouldn't have jumped it. And my bars folded, so that was something like when we went to Arlington this week. It was solely get through the first couple laps, be smart, let's finish the race, and uh, let's build from here. I want to ask you about that. So you guys were kind of making fun, I guess, of your dad. Was the, the bars just weren't tight enough, and was that actually on your dad? Um, <laughs> he he doesn't like too much when I talk about it, but okay, we can skip over uh, it. You, you, you answered it. You don't have to even say. Um, it, it was a combination of that. We were running the extra, extra triple clamps and they have those like rubber, like spacer things. Yeah. And we had gotten told after that, uh, they just, they have to be tightened often and, and they're hard to tighten because of those rubber mountings. Um, so I think it was just. He claims they were tight enough, but I don't know. <laughs> Clearly not. Yeah, those, those little <laughs> polymers sack out a little bit. You do have to like almost kind of keep timing them. Well, if anything, it was just like say, it kept the it kept the uh, the mystery there. 
the, the lap time was great in qualifying. We had the bars go down. It kept the mystery alive. Like, what can this kid do? What can he do? <laughs> right. right. I've had those. I've had those. I had those X-Trig clamps on my bike, and I've not tightened them, and it's done the same thing to me. So yeah, because def- you, don't, you don't tighten a lot of bolts, apparently. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not a mechanic. <laughs> yeah, but- <laughs> he didn't tighten his drain bolt the last time he rode. Yeah. Now he doesn't have a bike. It's, yeah. yeah. Blew it up. I don't, I don't get it. Anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, um, you, know, you, you, you go ahead. Uh, okay. So, well, I was going to ask about the handlebars, but you already kind of got into that. Um, how different was the Yamaha from the KTM? What specifically stands out maybe better or maybe something that was better with the KTM? Um, what just stood out to me the most was how good the KTM turned compared to the Yamaha. I felt like it's just so much more planted, especially like on a, on a drier slicker track where you need to find as much traction and roll speed as possible. I felt like that's where it really excelled compared to the Yamaha where like with the Yamaha on a, on a flat track, I was really struggling to find a groove, find a flow and, and to really get into a flow. And I felt like right when I hopped, right when I hopped on the KTM, it was uh, like a natural roll speed mm. and, and the bike just worked well almost everywhere on the track. Um, and, and it's just really, the power delivery is so, is so good. And, uh, I felt like they also had a, a very good suspension set up right away when I got on it. So that was, that was definitely very good. At your age, being a younger kid, how do you feel you are as a tester? Can you find things and feel, feel the differences pretty easily and know where you want to go? Yeah. Um, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good. Obviously I'm still learning quite a bit. Um, but I've been, I've been down in Florida, uh, all this week and definitely the tracks here are a lot different. And I felt like that's almost taught me what I can feel and what I don't feel and, and what I like and what I don't like and riding rougher tracks, ruddier tracks. Um, it's definitely helped me learn the bike a lot more and, and know what I like and don't like. Okay. At this point in your career, dedication is obviously one of the main things that you have to do to get to the where you want to go. Where do you find most of your motivation? Is it internal? Is it kind of come from your peers around you? How do you feel you get motivated? Um, a lot of it is just thinking back to, to when I was younger and the dream I had of, of being a champion one day. Um, I just think of that. And I, I want to fulfill that dream and uh and and live that dream out and, and be a champion so that a lot of it comes from that and just making sure i do everything every day to 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 not leave any stones unturned and fulfill that dream julian bomer and i brought to us by guts racing ml you got another yeah one more the so in the past you know the orange brigade program is fairly wide reaching they have um, a lot of kids between well, all three of the brands that they help to different levels um, yourself and Preston are kind of more on an elite program. I know that the Blair's um, worked on to get you guys on, you know, with a lot more internal help from KTM. Um, however, I think a lot of people look at the Orange Brigade program and they don't really know how it maps out to pro. Um, I actually I went up to Daniel at Oakland. He came up to me and goes, hey, I, I got somebody. And we, we were kind of talking about it. I teased him about how long got you and he's like oh i got i we got this guy locked down back off back off like being being a smart ass we're joking but it seems like again their their commitment to you is very long term can you give us a little bit of insight kind of like what 
does the path look like for you um, now with KTM? Like, what is your guys' uh, goals? What have they talked to you about um, in terms of where you go from doing futures with them uh, over the next couple of years? Um, obviously, my goal is to to move out of the futures and, and go up to the factory team and uh, race for them in the next coming years. Um, we'll really see where I'm at at the end of this year. Um, I may stay down and, and race a class again next year, just to get a little more experience and a little more, a little more time to, to really mature and, and grow into, grow into going pro. Um, but we'll see at the end of this year, um, see how well I do, see how I do at Loretta's, uh, see how I do at the combines and, uh, the rest of the future series and even moving into off season, see, see how much I improve when I get back on Supercross. Uh, see if the speed is is there. If it is, m- maybe we we decide to go pro. Um, it'll really depend on where I'm at. Sure. Uh, Juju, you mentioned at the first Supercross Futures that you kind of stayed in your uh, RV and kind of kept to yourself. Did the one this weekend at Arlington, did anything change? Were you a little more comfortable? Did you get out and about? Did, did it feel any different? just for yourself de- decompressing during the day? Uh, no, not really. I, I kind of just, I stayed, stayed in the motor home and, and just listened to music, tried to focus on the, the end goal and, and focus on going out there and finishing the race, mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a good spot. And, uh, I really, I went in the motor home right before the, the main event. I rewatched Arlington from last year. Um, I watched the 450, the 250 main right before, see what the track was like, and uh, just really focused on making sure I put my notes down and uh, and went out there prepared. Nice. When you see that there's people waiting three or four hours for Hayden's signature, <laughs> first of all, what do you think of that? And if you were in those shoes, what would what would that do for you and your confidence? Wait, sorry, what was that? It so, cut out. No, it's okay. So seeing that th- there was a line of three to four hours waiting for Hayden's autograph, I saw it, that line when I was in the pits. Is What do you think of when you see that? And is uh, putting yourself in that shoes, is that something that you would want? Obviously, if you have that, then you're going to be very popular and doing well. But what do you kind of think of that whole situation? Uh, yeah, I feel like that's obviously a really good thing. He has a, a, a big fan base and a lot of supporters that, that want to get his autograph and, and take photos with him. Um, I feel like that's also big for, for a rider's confidence, knowing that there's that many people uh, supporting him and, and supporting and, and hoping that hoping he, do, he does good. And I feel like that's uh, a big, a big thing that a lot of the, the top guys, almost like because it helps them like they know when they go out there there's people that are rooting them on and people that want to see them win and i feel like that's motivating to go out and uh and and have something to race for want to make the fans fans happy and uh, put on a good show definitely last thing i got for you juju is i was doing some research before you came on and i read that you won a stand-up jet ski world championship is that accurate yeah yeah it is that's cool, man. I, I I've never even rode a stand up jet ski, let alone won a championship. Hey, just this, 
this this kid grew up in the land of stand-up jet skis. Lake House ah, City has been the home of the Havasu. world finals uh, for jet ski racing for as long as I guess I can think of. That's cool though, Juju. I mean, just talk about that, like what that was like and what that meant to you. This is some a different sport, but maybe some some stuff translates, maybe. Yeah. So back in like the 1990s, my dad uh, was was a factory mechanic in France for Yamaha, and they uh, flew him into the U.S. to to work for their factory jet ski team. Uh, so he was always around jet skis. He has a shop in Havasu, okay, as well. So right when I was, I mean, when I was two, he was he already had me riding jet skis and and that stuff. So um, it was natural to me. I felt like it definitely correlates to, to moto for sure. It, it's a good cross training. Um, there's no sitting down, a lot of standing up, a lot of, a lot of weight on the legs and the back. So it's definitely good for cross training. I feel like, and, uh, I think I heard there was a time where James was riding jet skis for, for training at one point in his career too, when he was with, with Alden, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. Um, so I feel like that definitely, correlates going into in the moto and uh yeah it was i mean i don't ride jet skis as much now because i'm focused on uh racing and and becoming a, a champion in motocross but uh i think i raced five six world finals and i i think seven world titles nice. at, at the world finals and then I won a King's Cup championship in Thailand one year too. That's very cool, man. Very cool. What were you, I, ML? You were trying to say something a second ago. Oh, I was just um, saying on the jet ski one. Uh, somebody who was really infamous for for training on one was Porcel. That was Porcel's really big deal. I know Mark did a little bit, but yeah, Porcel was one that was like that was his thing. For okay, training, was riding stand up jet ski Elsinore. Uh, Scott, you got one more question, and we'll let Juju go. Awesome. Um, I was going through your Instagram, and it seems to be strictly moto stuff. I think that's good to like show that you're dedicated to it. Is there anything outside of that that you do? Or are you are you just like hundred percent in on moto? I'm hundred percent in on moto. I I set the jet ski thing aside, um, to to focus a lot on moto. Um, it's it's mainly moto. Uh, my girlfriend races horses, so after I'm done with all my training and whatnot, I'll, I'll, I'll go help her with her horses sometimes, but uh, that's strictly moto. Man, a horse will kill you. I stay away. <laughs> Wait, what was like that? that for th- I, I said I a like horse will kill you. For themselves. <laughs> Dude, I'm scared of horses, man. My, uh, my ex was into horses, and her horse kicked yeah bucked me or just spun around and kicked me and uh, it scared the crap out of me i'm, I'm out there's no, there's no brakes yeah <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't i don't get on them too much i'm scared of them having another brain yeah exactly that's what it is i don't yeah. i don't like when something else can control me no no doubt no doubt exactly my a lot of my dad's side of the family does a lot of ranch stuff up in utah and all they try to get me on horses so much i always tell them they're like well you're not pretty dirt bike i'm like look when i crash on a dirt bike it's 99% of the time it's my own stupidity and my own fault. I'm good with that. I'm like, I don't like the idea of something that can choose to just throw me off if yeah. it wants to. I'm not okay with yeah. that. Juju Bowman, yeah. man, really great talking to you, getting a chance to know you a little bit. Uh, I Will I see you at Freestone in a couple of weeks? Um, no, I'll be at Daytona this weekend. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to sit Freestone and, and those ones out. Yep. Uh, just so we can get more time on the bike and, and get to outdoor testing uh, to get ready for the combines. 
Sounds good, Juju. Great talking to you. Appreciate you coming on and uh, look forward to seeing you race in the future, man. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it and uh, talk to you guys soon. Sounds good. Have a good night. You too. That's Juju Bomer brought to you tonight by Guts Racing. Man, I like talking to these uh, the new kids, ML. It's just fun getting to know them. They're the future of the sport. It's just nice that a, a podcast does this, unlike a, a certain one out, out there that does just does not care about amateur racing. Speaking of that, <laughs> so Hayden, I heard <laughs> literally heard Hayden say this weekend. I was not the one that asked him, but he's like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna, I won't do pulp because Steve's kind of a dick to amateurs." So then this <laughs> Monday night, Monday night, I can't remember who he was talking to. Oh, Christian, I think Christian's like, "You should get Hayden on," and and. Uh, Steve was like, yeah, I will. I will. And I, I'm wondering once the request comes in, I'm sure Hayden will do pulp, but it'll be funny. I told Hayden, I said, just remember, you know, just like Ryder D, we've had you on the show. We've talked to you for a lot of years. We're your, your show. <laughs> and he goes, oh, yeah, you got my back. So we'll see. But, uh, yeah, I agree with That's funny that you say that. Um, what would you think of Juju there, Scotty? Man, it, you know, we have a lot of these guys that are getting toward the end of their career in the 450 class, and mm-hmm. that's, we're really looking to see – who's going to be up and coming. And, you know, it's, I'm glad to see that there's, especially this futures program and there's guys like him excelling in it. And we, I want to, I'm really excited to see what the future holds. Got a few more things I want to talk about ML before we wrap this thing up. I'd also want to uh, thank our, one of our sponsors, Prox. Prox is rooted in racing from motocross to off-road. Speaking of off-road, we need to talk about that in just a minute. Supporting teams like pro circuit Kawasaki, my team and pro Yamaha and SLR Honda. Prox has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. From complex jobs like an engine rebuild to simple maintenance like filters, chains, and sprockets, Prox aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. I like that too. Find Prox at your local dealer or online retailer. Visit prox-usa.com to search parts for your bike and follow Prox Racing Parts on social media. ML. That's going to be one of my sponsors this weekend. Yeah, don't... Please don't run Zacho's bike into a tree. <laughs> yeah, okay, ML. More likely to happen. Dark side finishes. Oh, that's happening. Or or we oh, have or or we have a new soundbite of oh that Zach Osborne's bike I just booked up. Well, I won't be running my GoPro. <laughs> I can see both I can see both of them happening at the exact yeah. same time. The problem is the last time he quit on GNCC, he wasn't even jacked up. The problem is I now was. he's so committed. He's so committed, not as jacked up as I was. That Don't even true. start with me. That is true. Don't even start with me. I didn't know how hurt um, you were. If I'd known how hurt you were, maybe I would have kept going. I kept going. You, you didn't find out until afterwards I was running around with dislocated yeah. Wait, how, ribs how and a broken you? rib the whole race. Oh, yeah, rib? Broken, oh, I dislocated okay. two ribs and broke yeah. one. Yeah. I thought I broke a collarbone. I, I did not. <laughs> well, listen, um, I will be racing the GNCC uh, at... I don't even know how you say it. Pol- Palatka, Florida? Palatka, Palatka, yeah, north of Daytona by about 45 minutes. Yeah. Uh, cool part is it's kind of part of that whole Daytona weekend. Um, a lot of guys wander up there and watch the, the pro race on Sunday. And if you're in Daytona, you can, if you want to get up a little bit earlier on Sunday, come up for the 10 a.m. morning race, you can see how our friend Jamie Guida will perform. 
Yeah. We can take bets. Uh, we can stand <laughs> alongside the track if you like. We can do tours. We'll find some spots out in the woods to Throw stuff at uh, cheer him on and maybe pick him up off the ground a couple times. If there's no GoPro, does the finish really exist? Yeah, it'll be on the finish. Oh, I'll be, trust me, I'll be there standing to get proof. You you will see if he actually rides across that finish line or if he just rides oh, it straight uh, back to the truck. Told, we will have proof. I told Zacho it might be a really, really, really long single lap. But I will be finishing. They're like pulling the flat. They're breathing. pulling the, the signs down yeah. and stuff. But I will be. I, I already know what's going to happen. This dude's got bleeding hands by the end. He picked probably the roughest one a year of the year to race. That's what I keep hearing. Because it's like sand and just roots. And I don't know. It's just sand rollers everywhere in tree roots. It's the probably the most naturally best yes for somebody that's a moto background. But it's brutal. Uh, it is Can't definitely. Wait. Uh, I, I know it's kind of yeah. hard to do right on the spot. But dude, like is it, let's. Oh, let's make a bet. I really don't think that you'll finish. Oh, F, F you. I'll finish. Let's, let's make a bet. bet? I don't well, know. Michael, help us out. 20 bucks. Or or I was thinking like, you know, something we more at stake, like not money-wise, just something, you know, I don't know. You come up Maybe with dinner? something. I'm in because I'm finishing. <laughs> Unless I'm physically not capable, like I'm laying on the track or in the ambulance, I'm finishing this freaking race. Or if the bike, you know, if I blow up Zacho's bike or something, I mean, I guess if I'm really, hey. really tired, I'll just. All right, well, let's do 20 well, bucks. We've already seen these Yamahas don't blow up, so I guess I'm, I'm going to have to finish. But I will be supporting Procs, and I will be in my X-Brand goggles because they are also, besides quietly growing into one of the premier goggle choices for privateers, they're using some of the most grueling conditions by the 2022 GNCC XC2 champion Lyndon Snodgrass and the 2022 GNCC ATV pro champion Bryson Hill as well as Factory Huskies Craig Long, supported by our buddy mechanic Cade O'Grady. I'll be in the X-Brand goggles. If you two want to wear X-Brand goggles, go to your local dealer and ask for X-Brand distributed through WPS. I'm excited about this thing, though, ML. It's going to be a fun weekend. I think I'll fi- I-, I will finish. So we're just going to move on from that. <laughs> uh, let's get back to Dallas Arlington just for a moment. 250 class. Thrasher wins this thing with a 2-2-3. The guy was super, super fast. I'll go to you first, Scotty. He, he was fast all day. Even, I wonder how well he would have done with no crashes, no issues, and Hunter having no, like how he would compare to Hunter's lap times. I didn't pull the lap times, but Thrasher was ripping. Yeah, he definitely had some speed, and it was, it was cool to see. What I thought was the craziest thing is all the carnage that happened, especially in that last one. I don't think I've ever seen so much like carnage and like, oh, what? and then nothing changed. Like literally didn't <laughs> affect the results at all. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, it's kind of like the four fifties. The three same three guys were on the podium with all the carnage. But yeah. I was just I was very impressed, ML, with Thrasher. You know, and of course they harped on a lot him having the torn ACL. Clearly didn't bother him. I've heard all the time that you know you can be fine with no ACL. It, it wasn't really even a factor. But he, I just I thought Thrasher was fantastic, and I wonder if he can compete with. Hunter head to head on a regular basis as he builds confidence. Um, was well, we talked a little bit on post about this? Um, I think that, you know the the speed is very encouraging. I think um, what's interesting for the championship in general is Jordan's speed can be there at moments. Uh, Max is really consistent. I would say compared to the other coast, at least we have like a chance at a championship battle. We'll see what uh, Thrasher can do the next couple rounds. But at least he has the opportunity to not only be able to win um, and try to claw back some points. You know, it, it, Jordan is having some good moments. He could get in between him and Hunter on the right night. Uh, maybe Max can, which which is a danger. However, of course, it can 
you know, it's very easy. Oh yeah, it can go the other way. Well, Thrasher is already down, so no, no brainer there. But um, in his case, there's he's a little bit down, but there's definitely a chance for him to come back. I would definitely say on the night, I thought he was the better rider. I mm-hmm. thought he was faster. Um, he was faster across two mains. I just thought overall he was on point a little bit more night. Um, it was kind of funny. You know, we brought up last one that hey, we think we've heard he's hurt. Now it's kind of out there. Yeah, the, the ACL um, throwback. One other rumor that I heard today that I heard that he's not been on the bike this week was the uh, rumor I'd heard. Um, heard that too. Due to some small with that. So yeah, uh, we'll see. Daytona could be a little bit tougher on that thing. We'll see. Um, you know, I, I'm also a little worried if it is bugging him. You know, does he dab it? Does it put him back out? But at least we have a 250 championship battle, mm-hmm. a potential one, um, where West is just gone at this point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Scotty, yeah, Jordan Smith, he, you know, mentioned him. Obviously fast at times, but still just the crashes, the crashes, a lot of mistakes. I think uh, race three, he had two crashes, or maybe even three, um, multiple issues. Guy's got to figure that out. He's known for it. It's kind of his – What's his mo? But if you could figure that out, he definitely a podium or going to continue to be a podium contender. Maybe get some wins. It's it's crazy that the most consistent person has that's that's benefit the most from being consistent. Even though his last race was a little bit iffy, was is Hayden sitting in third in points? With he hasn't even been on the podium in the main, and he's third in points. You say Hayden's third in points. Yeah, is that right? He was. Uh, I thought he got bounced out after that last round. Maybe, maybe I thought that I saw afterwards that he, he was, was still going. There. He was going into it. I thought. Okay, he maybe there. he did bounce look. out. Okay. I thought that I had saw that it was, but you know, yeah. I, maybe I mis misread that. But it's crazy that like these older guys are the ones having the issues. Like it's he has so well, much Jordan's speed with Jordan. Kind of had that. I know, you but know, like, he got taken out at the beginning of their third race when Moseman went yeah, down. Thra- but then- Thrasher, Thrasher is third in points. Hayden is tied for fourth in okay. points with okay. Jamar. Okay. okay, but still, yeah, I, I didn't even realize. I thought he was fourth. So, I mean, I thought I, I didn't even have a thought. First, that he I don't was know third, why. So that, I, maybe I hadn't seen one that was refreshed. Yeah. He was going the, in. He was third in the points going. Maybe into yeah, that's around. what I saw. Okay, yeah. okay. See, I didn't even realize that. But yeah, I just I wish Jordan could figure this out because I like the guy, and he's clearly fast enough. It's just kind of like uh, Chase, you know. Just God dang it, just. Stop doing that. Those two crashes there at the end. I mean, the whoops were just breaking down, though, ML. And that's where I think he crashed maybe both times in the whoops. I can't remember. It, I mean, shit, I couldn't ride through those things. with What, Scotty? Uh, I was just going to say, the question I want to ask, uh, you know, is even though it was a little bit of a luck situation, whatever you want to call it, does does this really boost J-Mart into what we, th- what we wanted him to be this season? I don't well, think so. Okay, so so you gotta you gotta back backpedal there or back step. What was he supposed to be this weekend? Yeah, this that's year? the thing. Well, I I think I mean I would have put him in top top three. Really? See, I wouldn't have. Really? Okay. I just yeah, like Jamar. I, I just like Jamar. I thought third third to fifth. Um I do think, you know, talking to him afterwards, yeah, he knows it's a gift. Um he actually so I was at Club MX last week for a day and J Mart's ripping during the week. Just insane. And we talked about on Friday, he was like kind of asking me about, uh, he was kind of surprised to see me that week when we were BSing. And he was like, it's kind of funny. He's like, man, you saw how he was ripping on Wednesday, right? I'm like, yeah, you're <laughs> hauling the mail. He goes, I just can't bring it to a race weekend. He goes, I just suck. He was so Ouch. bored about it. Just like, he was just like, I don't know. So he said, he's, you know, trying to figure that part out because it's definitely not watching a week. Like he is going, what I saw on Wednesday, it's like, okay, this dude should be on the podium every week. Um, speed's still definitely there. And he kind of kept commenting, like, I know people think, like, maybe it's the bike, maybe it's the program. He goes, it's it's really just me. Um, 
yeah, he was happy to get that win, but everything before that he said was worse than the rounds, the two rounds before. Um, I think he's really banking. Like we joked about, he's definitely, you know, rubbing the hands together a little bit for Daytona (laughs) this weekend. Um, I think that'll definitely be, I would position this weekend as being more of a chance to, uh, to pogo himself, um, up into podium more permanently. I, I really don't know if last weekend really brings enough momentum for him. He's definitely excited about it. And I think it was a bit of a monkey off the back, but I also think he's, he's very honest with himself and knows that, yeah, the rest of the night wasn't really, it was not good either. So, yeah. um, and I think that's a really interesting part coming into Daytona is sidestepping a little bit is what this weekend does for each guy. It's like, okay, we know Thrasher is good at stadium South speedway tracks. He's, he's been really solid at those type of venues. Uh, Hunter will be great. Um, Jordan can go past at this event too. Like the three guys that we know can go past are going to go past. Um, I would think with a little bit more outdoor esque, a little rougher conditions, I would lean towards like, okay, um, Anstey should be better this weekend, but I'm also worried because the one round where we had one sand section, his bike was overheating. Um, and I know they've got a good super cross spec, but I don't know if they have a bike that works maybe under load as well. Um, so I'm kind of worried that'll counteract. Uh, his performance, you know, um, and then of course we have the positive with, with Jay Mart. Um, you know, he's, he's good at this event. I actually think he would be a little bit better or get a little bit more out of it than Max. Okay. Yeah. A little boost before a boost was that with that win. I think what surprises me the most about Jay Mart is not the fact that he's been in that fourth, fifth, sixth. It's the fact of how far back he's been off the podium. I think that's what surprised me the most. Yeah. I think he's very much focused anyway on, he wants to go after that outdoor title. Yeah. So I, th- I I don't think he's going to push the limit too much in Supercross. Uh, let's move on just a little bit. We're, we're running a little low on time. I want to talk about a couple of things real quick. Daytona thoughts in general, ML. Um, I think this could be an argument. I think most everybody's saying uh, Eli's going to win, but I don't totally agree with that. And just a side note, not that I think he's going to win. RJ is in for the 450 class. That's going to be just a, a little added something they'll keep an eye on. But as far as the the contenders, I'm going with Chase Sexton. We haven't got to our 60 picks yet, but I'm just, I'm going with Chase until he wins because I'm I'm, he's my pick every week until he wins, damn it. I think you need to get off the ship. You're not helping. <laughs> Maybe you're right. It's like Ben and let, let, don't Quit trying to ride Lotus's coattails here. Let him take full control. I mean, you're just you're rocking the boat at this point, man. Um, <laughs> well, I'm still going to lean towards – I'm a big statistics guy. Yeah. Eli gets it done at this round. I cannot doubt him. I don't, like I said earlier when we touched this, I think this is the most likely opportunity in years past. Like, even when even when Eli was having bad years on the Cowie, we'd show up at Daytona and everybody was just like, yep, Eli's probably going to win this weekend. Doesn't matter that he's been getting eighth place or something. He's he's going to win. Um, I don't feel as confident maybe right now. Um, again, just based on form, I, I think Chase can go the speed. Um, I I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think Webb will get it done this weekend. I think he'll be in the battle. Um, I, I pick, I pick, uh, Eli's my favorite, but it's the least amount of hope I've had for him to win Daytona that gotcha. I've had in a long time. Like it's still, still picking number one, but we're, yeah. we're, we're backing off a little bit. We're like, eh, we'll see again. Eighth on Cowie. I'm still like, he's winning <laughs> next weekend. It's just, it yeah, happens. Yeah. It's yeah. already been predicted. Just give him the trophy. Scotty, I don't want you to give us your predictions yet because we'll get to those in a minute okay. 60, but I want to know what you're most looking forward to this weekend at Daytona. What stands out is maybe a couple things that you're like, I, I want to see how this goes. Yeah, well, the, the first question I want to ask is, is, do you think last year if the Anderson-Mookie thing doesn't happen, does he still win that race? 
Uh, yeah. yeah. You, you, so. you think? Because I mean, he was. They were kind of in a better position yeah. for it than he was. I still think probably so. Yeah, he was still so fast. There was nothing that made me think Anderson was going to win yeah. that. Okay. So, okay. I uh, was looking forward to. For uh, what I'm looking forward to is kind of just a change of pace. I I used to always really like Daytona. Once they started doing the Atlanta Speedway as well, I was like, okay, this kind of is like cooler than Daytona, mm. personally. Okay. Because it's, it's like a, it's almost, it's not the sandy thing. I think Daytona is just an iconic race that kind of can be a, a definition setter. And I'm just kind of excited to see how the different layout makes the difference in this really close championship race. It's basically, yeah. You mean the, the exact same layout as last year? Yeah, I know, but layout maybe was a bad word. I different format, format yeah, yes. A little bit different style track because it's sort of, yeah. I mean, it's still, it's much more super cross than it used to be. But I'm excited to see RJ at a 450. Again, not that I think he's going to be even top five, but it'd be cool. And then Dylan Ferrandis will be back. He texted. Speaking of that, ML, we talked off record. We were talking about how we get guests and I'm reaching out to guests and you never know when they I start, come last minute. Yeah. So Dylan did text me back today, which I asked Sunday if he could do the show. He texted me back today. Yeah. What time? And I was like, hey, I already filled that spot. So that's how that worked out. But he's in. I asked him if he could do the show next week instead. He said, well, it depends on how my race goes. If it's bad, I won't promise anything. Ha ha. (laughs) I appreciate the honesty. Um, We're about to wrap this thing up with with our 6D picks of the week. 6D, since its inception almost 12 years ago, 6D Helmets has been dedicated to the relentless pursuit of brain protection. You need that, Scotty. From the original (laughs) ATR1 to its successor, the ATR2, the goal is to develop a revolutionary design concept utilizing creative forward-thinking technology that would change the market and improve the safety capabilities of the sports helmets. The helmet is the most important piece of protective equipment you will purchase, so visit 6dhelmets.com or go to your local dealership and ask for 6D. ML, what are your picks for 450 class at Daytona? You've already told us Eli. Yeah, Eli, I'm back to win. Chase uh, Sexton for second place. Uh, Cooper Webb, third would be my picks. And then, uh, I forgot, do we do these for 250s or no? No, last week I did ask everybody to pick their winner because I predicted Danger Boy to win at Arlington. That did not happen. So <laughs> you was, messed it up. Yeah, I, I, I'm the one that ruined his consistency. Scotty, what do you got for well, Daytona? What did we, how what did we do last week? Uh, you, you went Sexton Webb AP, so you're way off. Me yeah. and ML, or me and Lewis picked... I picked Chase Webb, Eli. He went Sex and Webb, Eli. So we got the podium just wrong order. Yeah, I think it's kind of pretty hard. Like I, w- I wanted to be different and pick the AP at third. I think at this point it's impossible to pick any other than Webb, Tomac, or Sexton to be in the top three. I think it's just kind of where we're at. Anderson showed this week in Dallas that he can kind of sneak in there. I'd be interested to see what he does. But straight to my picks. Um, Not straight I'm, to your picks. You well, now that we're going to my picks, I'm going to say... Tomac, Webb, Sexton. I think Sexton makes another mistake. It's funny. I said a minute ago that I'm going with Chase, but I wrote my picks earlier and I wrote Eli first. So I feel like I should change those <laughs> just because. Nope, nope. You can't come aboard the Eli Express. Oh. Get off. You've uh, you okay. made your decision. Yeah. You've made your bed. Get away. Right. I fixed it. Chase, Eli. You went Eli, Webb, or Eli, Webb, Sexton. So those are our I'm, 60 I'm picks. doing this in hope that... I've been picking Sexton to win, and it hasn't yeah, been happening. Well, so I'm ho- like reverse psychology is what I'm, I'm going for with here. It. Uh, I do want to Again, remind everybody: you guys are just weighing down the ship. We need you off. We need you hey, off. We need you to walk the plank. I've been on the Sexton ship. Sacrifice since he yourself. It. 
sacrifice yourself for the cause. We need you to walk the plank, the both of you. I just did. I picked him third. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I want and, to and meanwhile, everybody. Jamie's just over here yeah. just still screwing it up. I want to remind everybody the Moto X Pod Show does have a fantasy league on Pulpamix's fantasy site. So go join our league. It's free. Uh, right now, the win, the guy leading is two-stroke underscore smoke. Two-stroke underscore smoke is leading our league, so I have kicked him out. I've got about 1,000 people I have to kick out so that I can be the top guy, but we'll get there. Yeah, join our league. It's a lot of fun. I will get some prizes lined up for the top three or something by the end of the season. So, yeah, I want to thank everybody for that. I want to have you, remind you guys, MotoXPodShow at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, comments, Anything you want us to talk about, criticisms, we will bring those up. I want to thank all of our sponsors, Racetech and Boyson as the presenting sponsors, Prox, X-Brand Goggles, Guts Racing, FXR, 60 Helmets, Luxon, Motul, WSA, all, everybody on board making this thing happen. I want to thank Ju, uh, Julian, Juju, Bomer, Daxon Benick, Benny Bloss. Anything else before we go, ML? I think we're good, man. Scotty, anything else? Nope, just excited to see what happens. Well, appreciate everybody listening. Other than that, we're out with episode 261. We'll be back next week. Bye.